Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day. I'm Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It is 7 o'clock on 101 ESPN. It'll be 7.01 in 3, 2, 1. Woof. 7.01, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, Michelle. How are you doing? Randy, I'm doing wonderful. Good morning to you. Happy Hump Day. Yeah, once we hear Hump Day, we're, we're happy. We're smiling. It's a good thing. I know it's coming, and every time you play it, it still brings a smile to my face. That's what we want, want it to do for everybody <laughs> that's listening. We want it to, to bring a smile to your face. A lot going on today. We are going to talk. We have a busy 8 o'clock hour. Yes, we do. We're going to have an early edition of the fight. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to participate in the fight, text in now, 65780, with the word fight, and maybe Rock will pick you. At 8.15, we're going to talk to our friend, Hall of Famer Bernie Federico. At 8.30, we're going to talk to our friend David Perron of the St. Louis Blues, who will play the Flames tomorrow. And at 8.45, we're going to talk to our friend, another Hall of Famer, Isaac Bruce. We've got friends in high places. Yeah, we do. And then at 9.15, Travis Ford joins us. The Billikens taking on George Washington tonight over at Chaffetz Arena. That is a solid lineup. Should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Yesterday, the Baseball Writers of Association votes were revealed, and only one Hall of Famer. David Ortiz got 77.9% of the votes. Michelle, 307 votes and he is the only player to go into the Hall of Fame this year. Barry Bonds in his last year of eligibility out. He got 66%. Roger Clemens in his final year of eligibility out 65.2%. Scott Rowland finishing fourth yesterday with 63.2%. Gained about 10% so he's on an upward trajectory. Kurt Schilling final year of eligibility out. Got 58.6% of the vote and after telling writers last year don't vote for me they said, okay, and he got fewer votes than he got the year before. You would think, though, that it doesn't really matter what he says, that the writers would be doing their due diligence about mm-hmm. his career and, yep. and vote for him based on the body of work, regardless of what he says publicly. But David Ortiz, obviously very deserving of this honor. He's only one of four players to hit 500 home runs and win three World Series. The only other guys, Babe Ruth, Reggie Jackson, Mickey Mantle. I mean, this, this is a guy that deserves <laughs> to be in the Hall of Fame, and congratulations to Big Poppy. I'm excited for him. But there's a lot of other names on that ballot, Randy, that are also deserving of the Hall of Fame that we'll just never see get in, and I think real shame. And here's another shame about baseball and its Hall of Fame. Michelle, right now, your all-time hits leader is Pete Rose, not in the Hall of Fame. Your all-time home run leader is Barry Bonds, not in the Hall of Fame. Your all-time Cy Young leader, Roger Clemens, not in the Hall of Fame. How stupid is it to have a Hall of Fame without your best players ever? This is supposed to be a museum that tells the history of the game. How are you telling the history of your sport without the leaders and major categories? 
but the records yeah. stand. The records are there. Right. No you, asterisks. No asterisks. So you want to keep the records that you don't want to honor the man. How does that make sense? Yes. Make it make sense to me, Randy. I can't. It doesn't make any sense. And one of the things we were talking before we came on the air that the baseball or the football Hall of Fame says explicitly in their voting rules is being a Hall of Famer is only based upon how the player played. Essentially, it's paraphrased between the white lines. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Taylor, we knew, was a druggie, and we knew that he was showing up only on Sundays. He was showing up late to practice and was sleeping through meetings. How Lawrence Taylor played between the white lines? And once you have that determination, I don't worry about what happened in the locker room before the game. I don't worry about what happened on Wednesday. Once you have that determination, it's a lot easier. Maybe that's the approach, albeit late, that baseball should take. Well, I just think it's very hypocritical that someone like David Ortiz is beloved, yeah. and he had a shadow of doubt or some suspicion surrounding him about PEDs, yet that seems to be brushed under the rug because he is the face of a beloved franchise and is a, a guy that people generally think is a good person, yet Barry Bonds is not in because people don't really like him yeah. or they want to make a different argument. And I just wonder about the people that are voting for for these guys like you want to take such moral high ground in determining whether someone is worthy of being a hall of famer let's look at the body of the people that are voting some of the people that are there don't even turn in their ballots some of the people how have they even covered baseball in the last 10 years some of them have not so why why are we letting people who aren't involved in the game on a day-to-day basis and or have covered these guys intimately decide their future there should be a better way and Another note that we should make here is that while people like Bonds and Clemens are kept out of the Hall of Fame because of the suspicion surrounding their PED use, there's a pitcher, a storied pitcher in the Hall of Fame, a tall guy who started throwing harder at the age of 38. You have a couple of former Oakland A's, one who played here, a closer who's in the Hall of Fame. You're telling me that you're playing into your mid-40s? Who are you seeing now with PED testing that's playing effectively into their mid-40s? I mean, no. It's not happening. No, it's, uh, there there are, uh, there's a a guy that went from Boston to Houston, won an MVP, got pretty big. Tell me he wasn't a a user, but he's in the Hall of Fame. Catcher, all-time catcher with uh, home runs. Yeah, it kind of looked like it. So uh, anybody who started getting better in their late 30s and played into their mid-40s raises suspicion, as does anybody who is ripping ligaments off of bones as baseball injuries. And you know what? We all enjoyed it while we watched yeah, it. Yeah, we did. And yep. you still have to have a certain level of skill to be able to do that. Yes, steroids can help your performance a little, but it doesn't all of a sudden turn you into from me, Michelle Smallman, who's, who is terrible at baseball, into a Hall of Famer. It doesn't do that. It doesn't take you from zero to 60. Mm-hmm. It helps, but how many of these guys are doing other things that will help yeah. them? I mean, it's just there's so much gray area, which is why I think it's very hard to determine where where to decide what's what's right or wrong. And when someone like David Ortiz get, gets in, which, yes, I think he should get in, it just seems so hypocritical to keep Agreed. other guys out. Agreed. And There was baseball labor discussion yesterday. Major League Baseball indicated for the first time that it's open to a pre-arbitration bonus pool. During the meeting yesterday with the MLBPA, the sides remain far apart on how much should be distributed. 
MLB is offering $10 million in the pool, while the players want $105 million. So that seems to be a little bit of a gap. The money would be distributed to the top 30 pre-arbitration players based on wins above replacement and awards such as the MVP and Cy Young. The offer marks at least a starting point for negotiations on that particular topic. MLB also offered to increase the starting minimum salary from $600 to $615,000 for rookies. Players want $775. And there's still some big issue items such as revenue sharing and the competitive balance tax that need to be agreed upon. But at least they've met for a couple of days and apparently made some progress. Which is such a good sign. I I don't know if it's going to happen as fast as we all want it to, but the fact that both sides are still talking and it seems like there's movement is a good thing in my book. Meanwhile, yesterday in the NFL, Sean Payton retired as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints as he's not planning on coaching in 2022. Why retire now after 16 years? It just felt like this season, it was challenging for everyone. But man, I felt like it was time. I felt like it was time. You know, I kind of knew maybe heading into training camp this might. But you don't, you, you, you know, you don't share that with anyone. You think, well, let's see how the season goes, and we're working hard. And and I felt the time was right for me. He is a Bill Parcells guy. He'll hit the reset button for 2022. He'll be 60 years old, and he'll come back in 2023. Where do you think he comes back, Dallas? If Dallas doesn't make it to the Super Bowl, I would think that would be the most logical spot. He's got a home there. He lives there. Chicago's where he's from. Eastern Illinois guy. Chicago's going to have a coach, a a brand new coach that they hire this year. So to me, Dallas seems like the logical destination, but a lot can happen in a year. A lot can, which is why I wonder if his time away might be shorter. If Jerry Jones doesn't throw everything at Sean Payton right now and say, look at the talent that we have. I promise I will step away. Let run this ship. Give us mm-hmm. a championship. Mike Florio writes that three years ago, that Jerry Jones had a deal set up to trade for Sean Payton, and then Anthony Davis asked for a trade from the Pelicans, and Gail Benson owns the Pelicans, the same guy in charge, Mickey Loomis, of the Pelicans and the Saints at the time. And Mickey Loomis went to Payton and said, hey, I can't lose both Anthony Davis and you in the same year and have it attached to my name. I can't. So the deal with Dallas was nixed, and Payton remained as the head coach of the Saints. So he's been eyeing Sean Payton for quite some time. Quite some time. He's the only remaining, aside from Belichick, Parcell's assistant left. And if we've learned anything about Jerry Jones, Randy, if he wants something, he gets it. He has had a tendency to do that, even if he wants a team to magically pick up and leave town and move to another city. He does whatever he... It might take him a while to get it done. He might have to maneuver some guidelines or ignore them altogether. But if he wants something, (laughs) he gets it. So I'll actually be surprised if he doesn't get Sean Payton at this point. I will too. Mizzou had number one Auburn on the ropes last night, but Auburn hung on for a 55-54 win over at Mizzou Arena. Good performance by the Tigers. And how about your... I-L-L-I-N-I with a 56-55 win over Michigan State, and they did so without Kofi Coburn and Andre Curbelo. As Coach Underwood said after the game, that is a culture win. Big time. That was an unbelievable performance by Illinois. They just squeak away with the victory over number 10, Michigan State. Shout out to Trent Frazier, who had 16 points in that game, a game-high 16 points. He's been great for the Illini, but 
I, I don't know if people have seen this video. If you like Illinois basketball at all or you just want to be fired up on a Wednesday, go to the Illinois basketball Twitter page. I actually retweeted it too. But watching Coach Underwood talk about the culture that they've instilled at Illinois and how you play for the name and for the group of men and not yourself and that last night was just a great example of what he's been trying to build there. I was very proud to be in Illini last night. Speaking of a built culture, the St. Louis Blues have one and their goalie, Jordan Bennington, has struggled of late. Yesterday, Coach Craig Bruby joined the fast lane and was asked about Binner's struggles. You know, with Binner, I, I, you know, I'm not worried about it because I, I've seen Benner perform and I know, what, I know that he's a fighter and a battler and he'll battle his way through it and the breaks will start going his way. And once that happens, things change. You, you all, we all know that as players, even. Uh, but goalies, they got to get some breaks too. So there's your very honest Blues coach who has a goalie who has five plus years left on a contract. And I, I still think if Vinnington was doing something wrong, Ruby would tell us that there was something wrong and it's a slump athletes have a tendency to go through slumps i hope it's just a slump at least so do i because that's what everybody seems to think we well because we keep going back to our reference points mm-hmm. right and our reference point of the peak of jordan bennington is pretty high so we keep looking at that and of course that being 2019 and saying well we know what he's capable of athletes go through slumps a lot of people are uh, within the blues are saying it's confidence he just kind of needs to get his mind right and you know that this is someone who in the past is not lacked confidence so sometimes it's just about getting yourself right and finding your game again and if i was thinking about this this morning randy how long do we keep saying this though how long before we all jump on the panic bus is it a month from now is it three weeks from now is it playoffs if we're still having this conversation because Right now, I think a lot of people are still in the, yeah, okay, he's probably in a slump. He'll find himself again camp of things. But at what point do we remove that? And I I wonder if actually the success of Huso benefits him because the Blues are still winning. Yes, good point. It'd be different if they were out of the playoffs right now, but at the moment, they are one point out of second place in their division. I think Huso's success is actually benefiting Jordan Bennington. No doubt. So what is it, a month maybe, then we grab the keys to the panic bus? Yeah. Yeah, but... But we won't be panicking so much because the team will probably still be having success. right. But you still would like to have the guy who won a Stanley Cup for you be that guy as the playoffs get closer. That'd be good. Hey, at the bottom of the hour, Dan Halem, the, uh, uh, the assistant, for lack of a better term, to Rob Manfred... Dan Halem's in negotiations, and for ownership, he says, hey, we have no problem missing games. If baseball does miss games and they don't play a 162-game season and they don't start in early April, when are you coming back? We want your mic drops, your Rhino Shield mic drops at the bottom of the hour. We'll take your text at the bottom of the hour. Coming up next, though, it's Ask Uncle Randy. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. If you have a question for me, it's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we want to hear from you whether or not you'll come back to baseball if they miss games because of this work 
stoppage right now. It, it is a lockout, so we have to call it that, a, a work stoppage. If they miss games, if they don't play a 162-game season, will that cause you to not come back? Mic drops with the Rhino Shield. Mic drop the 101 ESPN app. And, of course, you can also use uh, the feature that we call the uh, text line, 6578 or the Air Comfort Service text line. Right now, though, it's time for Ask Uncle Randy. I've been around, you know. Randy, would you like a personal conundrum or a sports question first? I'll start with a personal conundrum. I think these are great. Okay, well, this is from Doug. Hi, Doug. What's up, Doug? He says, uh, Dear Uncle Randy, my name is Doug. I've got a real issue going on. Me and my girlfriend, we've been dating for 11 months, and we mm-hmm. just moved in together three weeks ago. Congratulations. Yeah, well, hang on. <laughs> Unfortunately, I found out that when she sleeps, she has really bad gas. Mm-hmm. And eviden- evidently, she doesn't realize it. It wakes me up from a dead sleep, and I'm losing valuable sleep from my job. I don't know how to approach this issue without embarrassing her. How do I tell her what's going on? I'm about ready to walk the plank if something doesn't give up. Please help me, Uncle Randy. I think it is important important to be honest because if this is somebody that you're planning on spending the rest of your life with then this is a problem that you have to try to solve and I don't even know if there's any medication that would allow you and her to solve this but if she doesn't know I'm sure she'd want to know too because no she doesn't well ultimately if she's going to be in a relationship she doesn't want that relationship to end because of something she has no idea about because it's happening while she's sleeping so I I say right here, honesty is the best policy and say, hey, I got to tell you about this and I know it's embarrassing, but it's something that I find untenable. And then just explain to her what the issue is and find out if there is a solution to the problem. I bet that if you watch daytime TV and see all of the medication commercials, there's a solution to this problem. Yeah, Google it. What does GasX do? I don't know. 65780. What is uh, Gas X is a medication, but I don't know what it does. Well, based on the name, I would think it would X out gas. That's what you would hope. Yeah. Anyway, didn't know. I didn't think we'd be talking flatulence on a Wednesday no, morning. No, uh, but, here, but I think it's a legitimate question. And if it's waking you up in the middle of the night and causing you to go sleep on the couch, I think that's an issue. Definitely. Yeah, you can't have your your sleep be altered because of this. No, if it's affecting your work and your overall life happiness. But yeah. but can but, I can I throw something in there? Yeah. There's no way she's not going to be mortified by this conversation. No. So maybe have something special planned the next day, like a date or something, or be sure to hype her up. Say, wow, you look so hot today. Mm-hmm. I think you're so pretty. Just make sure to throw some compliments her way so that she is feeling good about herself because she's going to be very embarrassed. And, you know, when she comes home from work, have some chili made for dinner. Randy. <laughs> don't, also, don't say today. Just say you look hot. Period. I've gotten caught on that one before. Okay. Okay. Good tip. Yeah. Just. Oh, yeah. Good play, Rock. Yeah. I think you're gorgeous. I love you. Yeah. This is not going to impact our relationship from, well, <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. Uh, from the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, who are your top three all-time St. Louis athletes personally? Not performance, personally. Okay. Well, we're going to have one of them on here at 845, Isaac Bruce. I would say that Ozzy Smith is on that list. Boy, this is... I only get top three, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, so many guys listen. <laughs> I, I would probably go, in terms of my guys, with Aeneas. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, just unbelievably great people. But how do you leave Kurt Warner off that list? It's a really tough call. And another guy, I know that fans didn't like the way he handled things. I, have a, I really like and have a great relationship with uh, Mike Matheny. 
Mike Matheny was really good to me. So I know what the, the there are people that have issues with him. I don't. I, I like Mike a lot. So there are. Uh, We've been so lucky and so fortunate. Our guy David Perron that's coming up. How how can I leave Adam Wainwright off the list? He's on my list. Yeah, he's. I, I've just been really lucky to uh, work at a great time. It's, we we had Jeff Brown on a couple of weeks ago. Jeff Brown, one of my all time favorite players to cover. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've been really lucky here in St. Louis. Yeah, that list is pretty long. From the 618, uh, Dear Uncle Randy, I know how you feel about the Rams, Mm -hmm. but I've never heard your opinion about Les Snead and his involvement with the Rams leaving. How do you feel about him? He knew, but here's the thing. Gateway Grizzlies baseball. Hey, Gateway Grizzlies baseball coming up. Hey, Uh, shout out. That that burger with the donut. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, really good. How do I put this delicately? Okay. I'll, I'll do it this way. If you go to Office Depot and you buy a box of a dozen pencils and Les Snead is a pencil, he's probably not the sharpest one. Okay. So I would suggest that uh, he would be incapable of really being involved. He Somebody might have told him, then guess what? He might have forgot. Uh, I just, I, I don't think that it, he's a non-factor to me. Let me put it that way. Okay. He, he is a uh, swell guy. Great hair. But a great hair, uh, but a rather dim bulb. So you don't think do, about do him. Do you agree with that? Well, I think that he did a much better job once he got the green light to do it. <laughs> yeah. And if you have an unlimited bank account and... You have unlimited authority to trade all your draft picks, then you can pull off some of the things that he's pulled off. But I, they traded a bunch of number ones to get Jared Goff, and they decided, well, we don't like Jared Goff. Uh, they trade a bunch of number ones now to get this guy. They they don't have a number one or a number two or a number three this year. So it helps to have an administration that wants to go all in for one year. Mm-hmm. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, what do you think about long-distance relationships if the person feels the same about me that I do about them, and one or both are willing to eventually move to the other person's state? Thank you so much. I'm in this position right now. Don't know if it's worth it. The key is the timeline of when one is willing to move to another state. The long-distance relationship, while it's occurring, and by the way, it's probably better now with technology with the fact that you can uh, FaceTime and you have Zoom and you have all of the other avenues with which to see each other on video rather than just talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. So it's changed over the course of the last half dozen years. The the long-distance relationship has changed. But I do think there needs to be a timeline where you can actually touch somebody and hug somebody. You you just can't go long-term. And I, I would put a timeline on it. Yeah. Probably a year, but I think that uh, you can make it work for a year or so. You need a hard out. You need to say Mm -hmm. December 23rd, 2022, or whatever the date is. If we're not, if we don't have swift or concrete plans in place that one or the other is moving to be together, then it's done. Because that, that, end date could get pushed back and pushed back. Trust me, I've been in this situation. Mm -hmm. It has to be, we're only going to do this for a finite amount of time. If we hit the expiration date and there's no plans to move, we're done. And it's hard to say that, but you could end up being in a 
long-term, long-distance relationship. You are sitting at home on weekend nights. You're not going out with friends. You're not going out to dinner. You're just waiting for, what, a 15, 20-minute FaceTime. And otherwise, you're just kind of hanging out by yourself. Right. From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, my wife's cousin wants a job at my company. However, I work in HR, and it would be a conflict of interest. Her cousin is a spoiled drama queen and will freak out when I tell her she can't apply. How do I, how do I let her know? Let her apply, but then don't get her hired. Don't, don't allow her to be hired. To say, hey, I have nothing to do with this. You just didn't get hired. If you're in charge of HR, you can allow her to, to apply and then not get hired. I think that's the best play. You don't want to tell a drama queen that, yeah, I can't hire you. You don't want to be the person that's responsible for her not getting hired. So pass it off to somebody else, but make sure that when she applies, that application doesn't get any farther than your email box and your desk. Pass it on to someone else or pass the blame to someone else. The buck stops elsewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, two more quickly from the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, what do you think about the narrative from a piece in the L.A. Times that has been making the rounds that says the reason Rams fans aren't showing up to SoFi is because they went 22 years without football? So I spent a lot of time on Twitter yesterday blasting this Dylan Hernandez guy. (laughs) And... I, I, I might be able to buy the narrative if it weren't for the fact that the last time we had a major soccer franchise here in St. Louis was 1978. 1978. So we've had multiple generations of kids that didn't have their own soccer team. And we've had, and it might, it's got to be more now, at least 50,000 applications for 22,500 seats for our soccer team. I'm not buying the idea that well, it's not our team. We had a group of kids that grew up without a team. Now, if you like football, you like football. When the St. Louis Rams came to be, we hadn't had a franchise in seven years. We had a franchise ripped from us. And we had 72,000 applications just for accounts, about 210,000 seat requests for what were then 56,000 available seats because 10,000 were held back for clients and things like that. You've got 18 million people in your metro area. You're telling me you can't get 70,000 Los Angelinos in your building? I don't buy what Dylan Hernandez says at all, and I think he's an idiot. And he called St. Louis a dump, which I think is the the laziest possible thing you can say. If you just want to call a city a dump, you probably haven't spent any time there. And what's his name, Dylan Hernandez? Mm -hmm. Uh, I would pose this question. If our city's such a dump, then why do so many athletes who make millions of dollars and could live anywhere after they retire choose to stay here? And if you want to use the term dump, just do a Google image search for Los Angeles train thieves. If you want to see a dump, mm-hmm. downtown L.A. Have you ever, ever driven down Figueroa? Downtown L.A. is a dump. And aren't they trying to move a lot of the homeless population away from SoFi yeah, they before, are. before the stadium? Yeah. Sounds like a great place. Um, by the way, one more quick thing. We're getting a lot of uh, advice on the text line for mm-hmm. Doug, who's dealing with his girlfriend. Yeah, flatulence. Uh, flatulence issue. Uh, this one from the 314. For Doug, get her probiotics. My wife had the same problem. It changed our lives. Okay. So uh, blueberries, right? No, there's pills. Probiotics oh, are probiotic pills. pills. You could just get her some Blueberries, too. I think those are great probiotics. I would go with the pills, though. They okay. might be a higher, so higher dose. Here, honey, take these, and here's why. Do you tell her why? That's the question. I, I think do. that's antioxidants. Randy. Oh, antioxidants. Same thing. Yes. Either, but that's good for your skin. So Okay, good. Just get her both. I mean. Yeah, why not? Something blueberry flavored.
Um, I would say something like I was reading about gut health and how important it is because the gut is the brain mm-hmm. of the yeah. body. Right. And let's start taking probiotics let's together. Both do it. Let's do it together. It's good for our digestion. I think that this will be awesome for our overall health and wellness. Yeah. And just start leaving them out on the counter. You'll both take them together. And then if that doesn't mm-hmm. help or she's not down with then that, dump her. don't dump her. They just moved in together. But then you say, okay, that was a ruse because we've got to talk about your mm-hmm. nighttime behavior. Yeah, it's 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 not the dog, honey. <laughs> it's you. <laughs> That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, baseball says, hey, we don't mind missing games. But if they miss games, are you going to? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. All right, we want to hear from you, and it's not just now, but we're going to do something at the top of the hour as well, and that is the uh, top of the 9 o'clock hour. Dan Halem, the assistant commissioner of baseball, said reportedly during a collective bargaining session a couple of days ago that owners would have no problem missing games from the 2022 season, whether it's missing games at the beginning of the season or having to just change the schedule. He'll go with less than 162. And I read that and I thought, why would you even say that? Now, you do want to threaten the players. That's That's what the owners are all about. But at the same time, you're threatening the fans. And I'm wondering... If even here in St. Louis, in America's best baseball city, if some people are going to be alienated, if baseball does indeed miss games and the Cardinals are putting single game tickets on sale on Friday and I want people to support the Cardinals, but would I buy tickets for a season if I don't know if it's going to happen? And if Dan Halem is saying, yeah, we have no problem missing games, I, I don't know that I would spend my money for games that I don't know are going to be played. I completely agree. It would be very difficult to make that purchase, especially when you could buy tickets to watch a Blues team that's been performing really Mm -hmm. well right now and a product that you know you're going to see. But I don't think that the powers that be in baseball care about the fans. I think that they just assume that the fans are always going to be there and that they're given, which is incredibly short-sighted, especially since after fans were allowed back into ballparks uh, when they weren't during the pandemic, you saw attendances drop in a lot of different cities, including here in St. Louis. There were times when I would turn on the game, it would be a home game, uh, an important uh, opponent, maybe a division game, and I would be shocked at how many empty seats I'd see in the ballpark. We had many segments about why people weren't going to the ballpark, so I would not be surprised at all during a time when people are watching baseball less and less, they're less and less invested in baseball, and there's so many other things to consume that people would take that personally and not come back. So we want to have you weigh in. 65780 the Air Comfort Service text line, or you can send us a mic drop with the Rhino Shield mic drop feature on the 101 ESPN app. If baseball misses games, are you going to miss games? And Michelle, a lot of people said they were never going to come back after 94, and many of them didn't, and a lot of people did because of McGuire and Sosa. Well, we don't have McGuire and Sosa anymore because everybody's hitting a million home runs, and Mm -hmm. the drama of the home run and a home run chase just doesn't exist anymore. And by the way, baseball kind of legislated that kind of drama out when they started testing for steroids, didn't they? So we want to hear from you, 65780. And this from the 573, I would like to know what the Cardinals owners are saying and doing about this strike. One of the problems that we have is that we know Bill DeWitt wants to play. Mm -hmm. 
But he also is very respective, incredibly respectful to the CBA and to ownership. And right now, Major League Baseball has put it upon owners and employees of ball clubs to not talk about these collective bargaining negotiations. So even though we know he wants to play, he's not allowed to talk about it. Right. And we know that he has a lot of power, but it's more than just him. It's an entire group of people that have to come together for an agreement. Right. This one from the 618, Michelle. As a former season ticket holder for the St. Louis Cardinals, I haven't been to a game since the last strike, 1994. And I don't plan to attend any games in the future. Next to watching a live chess match, baseball has just become too long and boring. I think a lot of people feel that way. The The game just doesn't hold our excitement. Think about what we just watched this weekend in the NFL. And granted, that weekend in the NFL was kind of an outlier because a lot of people are saying it's the greatest weekend of football mm-hmm. we've ever seen. But it's it's a lot of times a lot of action. And it's a lot of action with stars that we know and that we are emotionally invested in. And it's just the season is so long that you really only get a chance to watch your team. We don't get to consume other teams and other stars the way we do with the other sports. So it's kind of hard to enjoy baseball as a whole when you are so locked into I don't into think we need to team. call them names. What? Baseball as a whole. Either, I, I, I think they're okay. Oh, you're saying baseball in its entirety. Correct. Okay. Yes. As a whole, (laughs) W-H-O-L-E. This is an interesting point, Randy, from the 314. And I wonder if this is true for a lot of people in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. From the 314, I've kicked the NFL to the curb, and it will be just as easy to do so with baseball. If COVID taught us anything, we can very easily divert our money and attention to other things. I wonder if there's a lot of St. Louisans that thought they would never not be able to mm-hmm. watch football, and then once the Rams left, they were so mad that they they stopped the NFL cold turkey, and they realized it was easier than they thought, and they might take that same approach to baseball. I can totally see that, and, and I get that. And actually, it will be, I believe— Pretty easy for people because of what the last texture that we talked about said, the length of the games. And I look at it from this perspective. The Cardinals moved start times back to 645 during the school year. But even with a 645 start, 745, 845, 945, a game at 10, ends at 1015. You get out to your parking lot, 1030. Traffic, probably, what, 40 minutes getting home. If you're working the next morning, you aren't getting in your door until 11.10. Probably get all situated at 11.30. You watch a game at home mm-hmm. that ends at 9.45. Go upstairs and you're in bed by 10.15 at the latest. Or you're watching it in your bed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that there are a lot of fans that, number one, because it's too long. And number two, to be honest, because of the safety issues in downtown St. Louis, big part of it. they don't want to deal with a night game. I hear that from people all the time. I don't want to go downtown. I'm, I I just don't want to take the risk. And I don't have a good argument against it other than when I go down to the ballpark and go to Ballpark Village, I've always had a safe experience. Mm-hmm. And I know the Cardinals are doing their best to try to combat the crime issues downtown. But it just seems like that is a real problem for a lot of people, that they have had a bad experience and don't want to risk it again. We're going to play your mic drops at 9 o'clock. Just use the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app. Very easy to use. And we do want to hear from you. If baseball doesn't play 162, if they start late, are you coming back? That's the question on 101 ESPN. Coming up, though, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It with Michelle and Randy and Rock on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it 
or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Our Air Comfort Service text line is 65780. Michelle and Randy for you on Take It or Leave It. And Michelle Urban Meyer has spoken. Oh, okay. On the Don't At Me podcast. He said, (laughs) quote, it was the worst experience, speaking of his Jaguars tenure, I've had in my professional lifetime. What really got me, I almost don't want to say people accept it. I mean, you lose a game and you just keep, I would seriously have to self-talk. I went through that whole depression thing, too, Mm. where I'd stare at the ceilings and think, Are we doing everything possible because I really believe we had a roster that was good enough to win games? I just don't think we did a great job. It eats away at your soul. Think about that. We lost 20 games where you're leaving the field where you lost, and we lost five in a row at one point, and I remember I just couldn't function. I was trying to rally myself up. I was in charge of the team, and then we won two out of three, and I really felt like we had flipped that thing. Take it or leave it. Urban Meyer's still delusional. Um, I'm going to take it because he didn't seem depressed when I saw him in the bar. He didn't seem like he was self-talking and accepting defeat and whatnot when he didn't take the the team plane home. Seems like he was just kind of doing what he wanted. It kind of seems like that, but he says it was a result of depression. Oh, okay. With Cayman, Nebraska. Oh. That's her name, Cayman, Nebraska. Well, I I guess everybody deals with mental health in different ways. (laughs) Yes, they do. So... Poor fella. Who am I to say that he wasn't depressed? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's taking much responsibility, though, for his role in the hot mess that it was. Uh -uh. It was was just sad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Randy, well, uh, speaking of another former NFL head coach, let's talk a little bit about our guy, Brian Flores. Well, was our guy. B-Flow, yeah. B-Flow, yeah. So Pat Leonard, he is the NFL Giants beat writer for the New York Daily News. And we know that the Giants have some interest in B-Flow to be their new head Mm -hmm. coach. So he tweets this, Pat Leonard does, from the New York Daily News. Sources say that members of the Giants organization have contacted multiple members of the Miami Dolphins support staff and assistant coaches coaches to do due diligence on Brian Flores as the coaching search heats up and they've received encouraging and glowing reviews in return. The Giants aren't shy about acknowledging their meaningful work on Brian Flores. They make calls on all candidate, but this homework on Brian Flores' time and end in Miami reflects a specifically thorough process on him and reinforces the Giants' serious interest and indicates that all of the feedback is positive. Take it or leave it. Wherever Brian Flores lands, that organization wins a Super Bowl before the Dolphins do. I'll take that. Yes. And I would think if you're the Giants, you want to do this on a couple of fronts. Because Joe Judge, Belichick guy, B-Flow, Belichick guy. Mm -hmm. And then the rumors coming out of Miami that it was a he problem, not a they problem. Clearly, they have a lot of problems in Miami. And you just want to make sure that it is a they problem and not a he problem. So you, you make those phone calls and those contacts with Miami just to find out what the culture was like when Brian Flores was there. Smart move on the part of the Giants. It really is. And before he was let go by the Dolphins, you didn't hear any rumblings that he was a tough guy to work with or that uh, the the players didn't like him or anything. All you heard was positive things. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think the firing was a, and the reason behind it was a little surprising. So I'm not surprised that the people that worked with him are giving him glowing reviews. And a lot of times when you do that first job that's a learning experience there's a lot there's a reason that a lot of coaches 
win their first Super Bowls with their second or even third teams. All right, your tech 65780, Matthew Rocchio, what do you got for us? Right off the bat, uh, I love this. The National Day, because apparently there's one every day. National <laughs> Pistachio Day. Tioli oh. pistachio ice cream is a delicacy everyone should try. Um, I guess I'll take it. Pist- pistachio ice cream is good. There's uh, a new pistachio latte at Starbucks. I had it yesterday. Yeah. Great. I'm going to leave it. I would never order it. Really? No. Don't knock it until you try it. Well, isn't pistachios a nut? Yeah. I'm not. I'll just get Rocky Road. If I'm going to get ice cream with nuts, I'll get Rocky Road. Well, the nuts aren't in it. I don't think it's just the flavor. I don't like Then I, even though I've never tried it, I wouldn't like it. <laughs> Come on, you don't knock it. Uh, I, I, I have a bias, an inherent bias against ice creams named are uh, named after nuts. Can I give you a, a controversial sure. ice cream tioli? Yeah, take sure. it or leave it. Mint chocolate chip ice cream is highly overrated. I'll take that. Some people love it. I think it's so bland and overrated. You could just you could do far better if you're selecting an ice cream. Would never select it. Me never. Either. I never would. I'm not gonna say no to it if it's the only option. I'm not dissing it. I would if it's the only option. No, come on. I'd rather have that ice cream than no ice cream. But I'm just saying for people that are like, oh, I love mint chocolate chip. I'm like, why? There are so many other options. A lot of other you good options. I mean? There's yeah, uh, turtle tracks. Um, take it or leave it. Bennington will record a shutout by season's end. Take it. I'll take that too. And take it or leave it, the Fighting Illini are a final four contender with a healthy healthy Kofi and Curbelo, ILL. I, well, I and I take that. And you know my thoughts. I'm not getting my hopes up. I love this team. I loved the team last year. We all saw me experience heartbreak in real time. To, the, today, I am saying I'm not giving this team any expectations. I'm just enjoying them in real time. If they g- get bounced first game of the tournament okay great i'm enjoying it in real time i'm not going to say even though i desperately want to say that they're a final four team because they look like they could be especially with a healthy uh poppy curbello and kofi but come on about six or seven years ago florida gulf coast made it to a final four we had our own loyal of chicago winning the arch madness here and going to the the final four if those teams make the Final Four, nothing against them because they were great, but of course Illinois is a contender for the Final Four. If Butler can do it, so can we. Right, exactly. But, you know, Randy, I've just, I've dealt with too much heartbreak. I just, I can't go there. <laughs> take what's great about sports. Speaking of heartbreak, take it or leave it. The owners are just trying to scare everyone, and they do still plan on starting on time. I'll take that. I'll take that, too. It clearly is posturing when they say, well, we don't want to miss games. Come on. Of course you do. All you care about is money, and that's lost money. I don't buy it, but I also think it's incredibly tone deaf to say that, especially at this stage of the negotiations. Yeah, kind of early, and especially if you know it's going to get out there. Isn't that just how we can describe baseball really as a whole, whether it comes to the Hall of of Fame voting, uh, all of this arguing we're seeing between the players and the owners, the way that analytics have taken over the game and is seemingly like maxed out a lot Mm -hmm. of fans. They're just tone deaf. That's a great point. Yeah. From A to Z, tone deaf. Uh, Take it or leave it. Do not listen to Randy on Auburn, Missouri wagers. (laughs) I I, I said Auburn was going to cover big, didn't I? Yes. Yeah, sorry about that. In fairness, I didn't think they were going to cover big. I I did. uh, I told people to grab their phone and bet on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Sorry. I mean, again, who who wouldn't have uh, who wouldn't have bet that way? You know, way? guys, it's called gambling for a reason. You gamble; it's That's a risk. True. Take it or leave it. Jordan Bennington regains his confidence and plays well down the stretch to give the Blues solid goaltending, and they stay pat at the trade deadline. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that too. 
I think it's still going to be hard with the cap issues that the Blues are dealing with because they spent the gap before the season started. To get that defenseman that they need, I believe, is probably going to cost them a player they don't want to get rid of. So, and Army's big on chemistry. He doesn't like to disturb the chemistry of a dressing room when things are going well. That's exactly what I was thinking. Look at everything this team has already overcome and they're having success. I don't want to mess with that. I don't want no. to mess with the vibe. Take it or leave it. Carr, Wilson, or Rogers will be playing in either Washington or Denver next year. Carr, Wilson, or Rogers. I'll take that. One of the three, yeah. Okay. Washington I'll, or Denver. I'll take it, too. Thank you, Matthew. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. We've got an early edition of The Fight. Then the, in the 8 o'clock hour, 815, Bernie Federico, 830, David Perron, 845, Isaac Bruce. Quite an 8 o'clock hour coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. It is an early edition on the fight of the fight on this hump day because we have a loaded eight o'clock hour. Let me tell you about it. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Bernie Federico. At eight thirty, we're going to talk to David Perron, and at eight forty-five, we're going to talk to Isaac Bruce. You don't want to miss any of those interviews, which means again, a eight a.m. edition of the fight. So we want to thank Corey not only for being Randy's competition today, but for jumping on with us early. Thanks, Corey. How's your Wednesday so far? So far, so good. How about yourself? You were doing great. You know, no complaints over here. Are you ready to go on Randy in the fight? Yes, I am. Let's do it. Awesome, Corey. Let's go. Question number one. Which Hall of Famer, baseball Hall of Famer, leads all pitchers with six home runs allowed to David Ortiz? Is it John Smoltz, Roy Halladay, or Randy Johnson? Let's go Halladay. All right. Who is the youngest player ever elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame? Roberto Clemente, Kirby Puckett, or Sandy Koufax? Go Clemente. Question number three, Corey. Since Barry Bonds' record-setting 73 home run campaign in 2001, the highest total reached in Major League Baseball is 59. By whom? Is it Giancarlo Stanton, Ryan Howard, or David Ortiz? Uh, Stanton. And which NFL team drafted all three of these eventual Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks, Steve Young, Doug Williams, and Trent Dilfer. Was it the Washington Redskins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or Chicago Bears? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All right. Checking our score here. Let's wave in Randy. Here he comes. Corey, what do you do for a living? I am a sales rep for a coffee company. Ooh. Does that mean you get free coffee? I do. <laughs> nice. That's quite the perk. I'm envious of that. Randy, please say good morning to Corey. Corey, good morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. How about yourself, Randy? I'm doing well. Thank you. Mr. Carriker, are you ready? Ready. Question number one, which Hall of Famer leads all pitchers with six home runs allowed to David Ortiz? A Hall of Famer allowed six home runs to Big Poppy, huh? Correct. Hmm. Um, I wonder if that total is more or less than the Cardinals did in the 2013 World Series. 
Yeah, it's probably about the same. <laughs> okay, so it'd be somebody who has uh, obviously pitched between like 2000 and 2015. Likely an American League East pitcher. Likely Yankees, Rays, Orioles. I don't know if anybody was with the Rays or the Orioles long enough. So that gives us the Blue Jays and the Yankees. And probably a right-hander. Okay. I've got this down to two. And I'll do the lifeline. Can you tell us who your two are before I give you the lifeline? Uh, Mariano Rivera and Mike Mussina. Okay. Here are your options. John Smoltz, Roy Halladay, Randy Johnson. Uh, Almost clearly Roy Halladay, right? It wasn't Randy Johnson didn't pitch with him. That's the only time he pitched in the American League. And Smoltz pitched for Atlanta, so he didn't see Big Poppy. I guess they saw each other every year. But I will, I'll still go with Halliday. Who is the youngest player ever elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame? Youngest player ever elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame? Um, hmm. I want... Was it... Well, I'm thinking that Gehrig would have been, but he was dead by the time he got elected to the Hall of Fame, I think. No, maybe he wasn't. No, he probably was. Um, okay, somebody that uh, probably retired when they were 32, 33. Okay, I will... Uh, I'm going to hate myself when I hear this because I think I know it. Um, but I... Yeah, I'll I'll go with Gehrig. Question number three, Randy. Since Barry Bonds' record-setting 73 home run campaign in 2001, the highest total reached in Major League Baseball is 59. By whom? I believe that was Giancarlo Stanton in his MVP year with the Marlins. And which NFL team drafted eventual Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks Steve Young, Doug Williams, and Trent Dilfer? That would have been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Corey, Randy, we have a tie. Hmm. We have a tie, gentlemen. Both of you guys, excellent fight today. Three correct. You both got three correct. You both tripped up on number two, which we'll reveal here in a second. Which means we're headed to the tiebreaker round. Corey, this is how this is going to work. I will read the tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write his answer down on a post-it while I'm reading it. We're going to give you first crack at it. You'll get about 10 seconds to reveal your answer. First to get it correct or closest to the pin wins. Okay. Uh, Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. Corey, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, guys. Here is the tiebreaker question. Former New York Jets punter Steve O'Neill recorded the longest punt in NFL history against the Broncos in 1969. How many yards was that punt? One more time. Former New York Jets punter Steve O'Neill recorded the longest punt in NFL history against the Broncos in 1969. How many yards was that punt? Randy has shown me his answer. Corey, whenever you're ready. First number that came in my head was 85 yards. 85 yards from Corey. Randy. I said 98 yards. Randy says 98. We have a winner. The winner and still champion of the fight. 
Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Corey. Randy knew it. He knew it dead on. It was 98 yeah. yards. He got it right. But gotcha. awesome, awesome fight, Corey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you very much. Corey, we do appreciate it. Great to have you with us, and uh, thanks for tuning in to 101 ESPN. Here's the answer. So the Hall of Fame pitcher that leads all pitchers with six home runs allowed to Big Poppy is Roy Holiday. The youngest player ever elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame is Sandy Koufax. Oh, there you go. 36 years old. Um, Barry Bonds, record-setting 73 home run campaign in 2001, the highest total reach in MLB since then, 59 by Giancarlo Stanton. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafted eventual Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks Steve Young, Doug Williams, and Trent Dilfer. And as you heard me say in the tiebreaker question, Steve O'Neill recorded the longest punt in NFL history against the Broncos in 1969. That punt was 98 yards. 98 yards. Congratulations, Randy. Another victory. Very impressive uh, to punt the ball 98 yards, right? Yeah, 98. Uh, Good work, We're going to have uh, Joe Buck on the show tomorrow. Tomorrow's Thursday. And Joe Buck's uncle, his or his grandfather, uh, and Carol Buck's dad punted for the Bears and had a 94-yard punt. Wow. And that was eclipsed by Steve O'Neill's 98-yarder. Interesting. So there you go. Hey, we have the Champ Bash coming up on Sunday at Helen Fitzgerald's. Join the 101 ESPN crew, Car Shield and Bud Light for both of the championship games. Tons of TVs, food and drink throughout the day, a bunch of giveaways, including a grill and jersey and tickets and more. The Bash kicks off at noon with a live pregame show leading up to kickoff at 2 p.m. Anthony Svelter and I will have that pregame show for you. Hope to see you Sunday at Helen Fitzgerald's for the Champ Bash brought to you by Car Shield and Bud Light. Next up on 101 ESPN, the Hall of Famer Bernie Federko talking blues with Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home with locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The Blues are back at it tomorrow after getting drilled by the Calgary Flames a couple of nights ago in Calgary. The Flames will be in town tomorrow night, 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And then on Saturday, it's an afternoon game against the Jets. We have the pregame for you at 1 and the faceoff at 2 as the Blues will try to get back on the winning track. Uh, Homecoming for featured Blue, Matthew Kachuk. Future Blue, I like to hear that. That's what I'm going to just call him from now on. Future Blue Matthew Kachuk. Okay, that's outstanding because... We're putting it in the universe. Well, and and it's not inaccurate at all. And uh, right now, Calgary leads the division. They have 61 points. Nashville in second with 57. And the Blues, who have a couple of games in hand against the Predators, trail the Predators by two points in the division. Colorado actually has a couple of games in hand on the Blues and have four more or six more points. Let's go to the... Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and we head into the Blues booth with Hall of Famer Bernie Federko, who joins us every Wednesday here on Carriker and Smallman. Good morning, Mr. Federko. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing great, thanks. Hey, you've been through games like the Blues went through on Monday night. Were you pretty good at putting those games in the rearview mirror? 
Yeah, I think so. I think, Randy, everybody is. I mean, I think in the course of a year, 82 games is a lot of games, and I think that uh, sometimes things don't go well. And I, I think the good news is when things don't go well like that, I mean, everybody played bad, and I think everybody <laughs> is in the situation that they uh, understand they've got to be better. And the good news is that they get to play Calgary again uh, on Thursday night. Bernie, the, the Blues obviously had three games in four days. It looks at, at times during that game on Monday like they were absolutely gassed, which didn't help the cause of Jordan Bennington. He obviously got pulled before Ville Husso went in in the third period. What are you? What did you make of Jordan Bennington's performance in that game? How much of it was Jordan Bennington and how much of it was the team's performance as a whole? Well, you know what? I, I didn't. First of all, I didn't really like uh, the first goal that uh, Jordan gave up. I mean, I, I really didn't kind of like his body language in, in that game. But I mean, it wasn't his fault. I mean, he um, didn't get a lot of help out there by any means. But I mean, the first goal, I, I would th- I would say that he would want to have back. I mean, uh, uh, this is just a door of shot that goes over his glove right off the bat. It was one of those goals where you, for him especially. Uh, that's pretty rare because he is uh, very good, especially with his catching, uh, you know, glove. Uh, for that one to go in. But uh, after that, it was kind of downhill for everybody. I, I, you know, the support that he got was not there. Uh, I mean, Calgary crashed the crease the entire night. I mean, he got run into, he got slid into, he got uh, a lot of things that happened. So it, it was not good for him. But um, obviously, the goaltenders go through that. I mean, I, I think every, every goaltender that's played knows that um, it's a team sport. And when things like that happen, it's not just your fault. It's uh, You've got to be better. And and he will be better. And I, I think that he's got enough confidence in himself that um, it's certainly not going to affect him. Uh, but it, w- it was it was really disappointing for, for you know, for, for him coming back to get that little support. But <laughs> it's going to happen uh, over his career, and he's just going to have to deal with it. But, I mean, uh, at least, you know, they kind of righted the ship, but they didn't give up any goals in the in the third period. It was Huso that was in, though. But I, I, don't, I don't think it really would have mattered who would have been in there. But it was good that uh, at least there was no goals going in in the third period. Bernie, you've been here for most of Blues history. You know what Blues fans like and what Blues fans get into. You see a guy like Matthew Kachuk, and granted, it was a great performance. Every every fan base would love having Matthew Kachuk. But how much does he match up with what you perceive the the, the classic Blue to be? Well, I mean, he, I mean, Matthew plays a, a blue-collar game. I mean, there's no question he's involved in the play all the time. I mean, he hit a great game the other night. And I think, obviously, when you, you grow up here and he's, you know, uh, been part of the city for so long, uh, every time he plays against the Blues, he obviously wants to play, you know, for his friends and, you know, his family that are watching him all the time. So, uh, but he is, he would be an ultimate, uh, you know, player. I mean, he I mean, he plays like his dad. Obviously, he goes to the front of the net and, and everybody – you know, knows here in St. Louis the success that Big Walt had, uh, uh, you know, by playing that, that, you know, power forward role. And Matthew the same way. So, I mean, Matthew's going to be a good player on whatever team he's on. I mean, certainly it would be nice for him to be a part of the Blues. But, I mean, uh, when you get drafted by a team like Calgary and, and, and you know, he's kind of the heart and soul of that team, mm-hmm. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, I think that even, you know, with his contract problems that he had, uh, I think that he's probably going to be a Calgary Flame for, you know, as long as he wants to be or, and certainly Calgary would probably want him as long as they could keep him. And it's just, you know, there's there's free agency. There's things that happen in the game now. Uh, the guys have a lot more control over what they can do. But uh, uh, certainly he is a really good hockey player. Bernie, as we get closer to the All-Star game, when we look at the second half of the season, what's one thing that you look at this Blues team and you say, I want them to improve upon X in the second half? Well, they've got to start playing, you know, a more grinding style of hockey. I mean, I think that we, we, when we all know that when, when playoffs come around, 
the referees kind of put away their whistles a lot more and becomes more of a grinding game and uh, you have to be much more defensive and, and I think that's what uh, you know you can't give up seven goals in a game uh, like the Blues did uh, on Monday night in Calgary so I mean I, I think that they all know that they've got to play much more solid defensively I think that uh, um, they've got to get the puck and they've got to grind it in the offensive zone do a little more cycling um, but but you know this is a team that's kind of uh, really different and I said this the other night when I was on is that I don't think that any team in the league we you know we, we were always looking for identities from from teams. I don't know if we've even found an identity with with any team in the league because there's been so much COVID. There's been so many injuries. There's been and there really's never been a consistent lineup for any team in the league so far. So I, I think each and every night, uh, you know, there's been so many different lineup changes that that no one really has been able to get to their own identity. So I think that, and I'm hoping that in this last half of the year that. Um, that the COVID goes away and that everybody gets their full rosters and, and, and we, we see what the team's identities are. And then I think that you can um, really kind of gauge more things that were going to happen, what you have to do and how you have to play. Uh, if you're not a grinding team, maybe you have to play for more finesse and, and you can win that way as well. So I'm still waiting to see a lot of the teams with what their identity is going to be. And, I'm, I, was, and I love what the Blues have right now because we talk about the depth that they have up front um, they're so deep, they can score goals. Um, but, you know, defensively, I think there's things that they have to do, and I think they recognize that as well. Bernie, I, I want you to validate a, a thought that I have, and you don't have to. You can disagree with me if you want. I never saw Bucinavich play because he was in the Eastern Conference with the Rangers. And we saw Saad a lot, but we didn't see him every day. I didn't think that Saad and Buchnevich were going to fit into that that Blues identity, that heavy style play, as well as they have. Are you at all surprised that those guys are such great fits for what the Blues want to do? Uh, no, I don't think I'm surprised. I mean, I I, I think I'm like you, Randy. I didn't really see Buchnevich that enough, uh, that much. I mean, Saad, I knew you know from from his days, you know, with 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 Chicago, with with. Uh, Columbus and, and even, you know, be last year in Colorado that I, I knew what type of player it was. And, and I think that, you know, he plays a lot like what Jordan, uh, what's uh, Jaden Schwartz played. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's this kind of that smaller, I mean, you know, he's a grinding forward, but he's not a big guy that, that would go to the front of the net. So I think that he was going to be fit. I didn't know much about Vucinavich other than that he scored 20 goals last year for the Rangers. And um, I've been very impressed with him. He's a big kid. I mean, he goes hard to the net. He's got great skills, and he, he's really almost like a passer first, uh, then a shooter. And here's a guy that got 20 goals last year. So uh, it's been great that they they fit in. And I, I think that uh, really says a lot about the scouting department for the Blues, the pro scouting guys that are out there. I mean, it says a lot of what Doug Armstrong is looking for something. He seems to almost, always find what he wants and what, what the fit needs to be. So uh, both guys have really fit in, and um, I think that that's why we keep talking about why this team is so good up front is because they've got so much depth, they've got so much talent. Uh, and and when, once they, you know, figure out exactly what the way they're supposed to play, I think that they're going to really be hard to beat. Bernie Federico, always great to have you with us. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy your day, and we'll see you on Bally tomorrow. Sounds good. Thank you guys. Have a great day, too. See you later. That's the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico on 101 ESPN. Coming up, more Blues discussion with our friend David Prawn making his weekly visit to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. He gets the job done on the ice every night. Like you put the 
forward, David Perron. And he joins Carriker and Smallman right now. Perron, he scores! On 101 ESPN. Driven by pure performance. The only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. David Perron joining us now on the Braun and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carriker, and we head to David, and he joins us here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Hello, good. Hey, I want to start with this. I know that heading into that little Canada swing, that Justin Falk said he wasn't really excited about going up there because of all the border crossing. Take us through that. Was was that any more of a hassle than it normally is getting into Canada and getting home? Oh, we lost David. Sorry. So I had a great question for him. I know. And we're going to get him back here in just a second. We're I, going to ask him about going into Canada and coming back. I can't wait for you to get the question out because I was hanging on the edge of my seat. Uh, well, I got the question out, so you can answer it. <laughs> well, I, I can't imagine that the team was pumped about going through any extra no. uh, protocols or whatever that they have to do. If, if Justin Falk said that he didn't enjoy it, I'm sure the rest of the team yeah, didn't either. Right. And... Hey, guys have been uh, through this. Uh, they've been through a lot more than dealing with crossing the border at this point. So, well, After the past couple of years, I mean, they're probably just numb to it at this right. point. Yeah, <laughs> pretty easy. We've got David back now on uh, the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, David. Good morning. How's it going? Everything's good. I was asking you, uh, Justin Falk said before your little Canada swing that he wasn't particularly looking forward to that uh, that trip to Canada because of crossing the border and the hassles. Was it any more of a hassle than usual? Uh, I mean, it, it is a little bit different uh, right now in Canada with all the regulations. And there are some also in the U.S., but I, I just think that um, the guys in general, and, and even myself being Canadian, I think we, we do enjoy uh, our, our living here in, in St. Louis and the United States in general. It, it does feel a little bit different. It does feel like you're able to, uh, to live a little more, um, more freely and all that stuff. And I, I think that part of it is, is what um, Justin was, was mentioning, but I also think it was taken how to handle a bit. I think uh, there was something written about being a... Oh, no. We lost David. We'll get him back. Something written about. We, we need him to stand. It's like the Can You Hear Me Now commercial. We yeah, need him exactly. to stand one specific spot. Yeah. So we'll get David. It's Hey, it, we're moving into this 5G phase, Michelle. Mm-hmm, totally. And it's something new that none of us have had to deal with in the past. And sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not. Well, and I know normally he's driving around when he calls us. Mm-hmm. So maybe he just hit dead zone and hopefully he's past it. But I was, again, hanging on every word he said. I want to know what was written. He's great. The Blues and the Flames tomorrow, by the way, 6 o'clock with the pregame here on 101 ESPN. And then the Blues will take on the Jets a Saturday afternoon contest. And uh, we are back to David Perron here. And we, we, David was just mentioning that he had read something about what Justin Falk said. And David, that, that's where you broke up. You said you were reading and then it just broke up. Yeah. On us. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm on the same road. I, I go to every day to the rank. I don't know what's going on today. <laughs> no so problem. Hopefully, hopefully that's over with uh, for now. But yeah, just uh, again, like with, with Justin's comment, I think it was taken out of hand a little bit. Uh, uh, there's a 90 day like kind of holiday when you test positive for COVID that you don't have to test again for 90 days. And that's where the blues are when they don't, they've had so many guys, you don't have to test for 90 days mm-hmm. and that's where the blues are. 
So we'll see. We'll, we'll try David one more time, and we'll see if this works. It's kind of weird. He's, like you said, take, taking the same route to the rink, to the Centene Ice Complex. Well, you know, things happen in threes, and this is the third time he's dropped since we started talking to him. So I would imagine that we're in the clear after that. I would think so. Right? We've got some great questions prepared for David Perron, too. Before the, each segment where we have an interview, I go over <laughs> with Randy the questions that I have. He mentions what he wants to talk about with me, and we feel really good about this conversation. So. Maybe it's the Canadian people that are in charge of the cell towers right now. Oh, they don't want to hear anything negative about crossing the border. They heard that first question that yeah, you had listening. and they're like, oh, drop the tower, drop the cell service. They're always listening, Michelle. Don't you, do you agree with that, that everything happens in threes? Yeah, I do. So yesterday, two bad things happened to me and I was waiting for the third. I was like, I know it's going to happen. What is it going to be? And then I kind of forgot about it and I showed up to a workout class and they were like, no, you're supposed to be here an hour later. Oh, I'm like, oh there it the is. There's thing. there's a third thing. So, you know, sometimes it just happens. All right. We are going to visit with Isaac Bruce coming up in our next segment, the Hall of Famer. By the way, Michelle, Sunday, January 30th, the date of the NFC and AFC championship game to join us at Helen Fitzgerald's. Sunday is the 22-year anniversary of Super Bowl 34, in which Isaac caught the game-winning touchdown pass from Kurt Warner. 22 years. Does it feel like yeah. 22 years? It does not. No, I, I can still in my mind's eye see Isaac catching the touchdown pass and see Mike Jones making the tackle. I know. So can I. What a special team. They were great. And Isaac is obviously one of our all-time favorites. So he's joining us in our next segment. We'll see if we can get five minutes with David here. Sure. If if I would have told you 22 years ago after that Super Bowl, you're going to enjoy this. It's going to be one of the greatest things you've ever seen. But here's what's going to happen after. Would you have believed me? I wouldn't have believed it. And I'm not so sure I would have taken it. We'll see. We'll see. All right. David is with us one more time. Hey, David, I think this is our problem, by the way. Oh, he dropped already. Let's so ask him if he can do it in the 9 o'clock hour. Maybe when, oh, uh, he might be at the rink. I don't know. Yeah, he's on his way to the rink. So oh, we'll see if we can make it happen. But anyway, the Blues... Michelle to a man and Craig Ruby yesterday in the fast lane in talking to Panger yesterday and Bernie. It's pretty easy. It's kind of like baseball players when they get thumped 12 nothing, They put it behind themselves very easily and just move on to the next game. I do think that it'll benefit the Blues having Calgary again. Craig Ruby said yesterday, hey, we're going to be ready to play. Yeah. And we're going to play a much more physical, heavy game than we played. And by the way, Ruby told the players... Before the game, he said, hey, this is going to be a real man's game. you got to be ready for these guys because they're good. And I wonder if perhaps the team, the Blues, underestimated how heavy that game was going to be. Not that they took Calgary lightly, but sometimes you don't realize what's going to happen to you until it's happened to you. I also wonder, the Blues have had so many come-from-behind wins. They've been able to pull a rabbit out of the hat so many times that they just kind of assume that whatever the obstacle or whoever the opponent, that they're going to be able to pull it out. And it's a lot uh, more difficult to do that against certain opponents. And we've had three games in four nights, and you yeah. don't have fresh legs. Well, that's the big thing. Yeah, they the, the legs were not great for the Blues on uh, a Monday, was it Monday? Yeah, yeah Mon Monday. Monday night. All these and days run together. They do. So getting three days off. And one of the other things that, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to get David in the in the 9 o'clock hour, but Michelle, there were no games in February because of the Olympics. And fortunately, or unfortunately, what it, as Kevin Demoff might say, the Blues are going to have a schedule that's going to be pretty normal. They'll play two games. They have the All-Star break and then play two games the week of February 7th and three games the week of February 14th and then two more games the week of the 21st. 
before they head into March, and there were going to be no games. So if you don't have any COVID problems and, well, here, and you don't have any COVID, uh, any games that you're going to play because of COVID problems in China, Mm -hmm. then you've got players sitting around for a month. Yeah. So it actually kind of works to the league's benefit that you did have these problems that you dealt with and the postponed games because now you have a relatively normal schedule in February. Yeah. And thankfully, the Blues have already dealt with so many COVID issues that they have this period where they're not having to worry about it, where that's behind them and in the rearview mirror. And hopefully they can get some consistency and have their team together and play in some games. And like David said, that it, it's basically a 90-day holiday from being tested. And most of the Blues are already in the midst of that 90-day holiday. So David Perron just reaches out to you and I on Twitter. He says, sorry about this morning. We'll get my phone fixed, apparently. It's not working great at the moment. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs> no problem. So it's it was good to hear from David. So I'll tell you what we'll do is uh, we'll take this break. And then when we come back, the Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce will join us to talk about Los Angeles Rams, but we're also going to talk about Super Bowl 34. And the St. Louis Rams. And the St. Louis Rams. <laughs> He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Amazing. Dick Vermeil told us yesterday that was going to be the first play of the game. Yeah. See the players doing their celebration. That's called the bob and weave. Warner to throw. Going deep downfield. Adjusting for it is Isaac Bruce. And Isaac Bruce threads his way for a touchdown. Checking in right now with character and Smallman on 101 ESPN, the Pro Football Hall of Famer. And it's always good to hear from Mr. Bruce. We're going to put him on hold here and we're going to punch him in. Randy, I am fired up. Isn't it great? (laughs) It brings me back to those days. I... Those days were awesome, and it's always great to hear from our friend, the Hall of Famer, Isaac Bruce, who joins us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Michelle and Randy. Good morning, Isaac. How are you? Hey, man, I'm well and I'm blessed. Thanks for having me on the show today. Hope you guys are doing uh, just marvelous, uh, staying warm and prospering. Uh, we aren't able to stay warm, unfortunately. <laughs> so are, are you down in Fort Lauderdale? I am down in Fort Lauderdale where uh, it was um, pretty cold here the last couple of days. And I'm talking 46, uh, 50 degrees, and, you know, people were going absolutely nuts about that. <laughs> Isaac, it just got up to nine degrees here. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Let me, let me tell you those days. Let me tell you a story, Michelle, about Isaac Bruce. Okay. The first year Kurt Warner had his Warner's warm-up, Isaac had a beautiful leather Rams jacket. You remember this, Isaac? And, uh, I think so. And there were, Kurt had a barrel in the lobby at Rams Park, and Isaac takes off his beautiful leather Rams jacket and puts it in the barrel for Warner's warm-up. I think I do remember that. Yeah, he had it right near the entrance every year. And, uh, yeah, I think that was one that, you know, I was willing to give up. And, uh, you know, ended up coming up with something. Uh, quite similar to, to what I put in that bucket that day. <laughs> good, good. That was very generous of you, Isaac, but I'm wondering about your walk to the car after you gave up the coat. You might have regretted that, at least for a few minutes. 
That was probably that was probably before practice. So after practice, I'm pretty warm and I'm I'm running to the car. So yeah. Hey, uh, we got a lot we want to touch on. We want to start with this though, because we saw you six months ago and we saw you get inducted into the Hall of Fame. How has Isaac Bruce's life changed in the last six months since you were inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Uh, you know, it's pretty similar. Um, still having fun. Um, still uh, dad to my daughters, my children, uh, husband to my wife, uh, gym, gym owner here in South Florida, uh, became a uh, ice cream parlor owner here in South Florida as well, uh, soon to be in Canton, uh, Ohio as well. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm sort of, I'm sort of a, a, an, an advocate for, for others right now. I mean, Tory Hope being one of those uh, people that I kind of stand on the table for, uh, along with some other greats and some other sports, guys like Roger Clemens, uh, Barry Bonds, uh, Sammy Sosa, uh, Kurt Schilling, guys who I feel like should be, uh, you know, honored in their sports as far as being Hall of Famers. Good for you. I love to hear that. We were actually having an ice cream discussion this morning, Isaac. What's your favorite ice cream? <laughs> oh, man, I'm, I'm a plain vanilla guy. So, um, I just get regular vanilla, and I guess if I'm going to treat myself, I, I, I take a, a brownie with some kind of uh, almonds in it or some pecans in it and just put it on top. So I have that ice cream brownie sundae. You would call that a sundae? Oh, yeah. I, I think I would, yeah. And, and what's the yeah. name of your business? What's the name of your ice cream parlor? It is Smush, S-M-O-O-S-H, Cookies. And uh, we're currently the, the president and CEOs of the company. So anyone interested in, in starting a franchise, look great up there in St. Louis. They should get a hold of me uh, via my foundation, IsaacBruce.org, and uh, get all the information they can about becoming a franchise owner. So it's called Smush, S-M-O-O-S-H, love ice cream. It. I'm sure people are going to be reaching out. And Isaac, I love that you have the ice cream parlor and the gym so people can play for the tie. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's about working, you know, four or five days a week getting your work in, uh, putting some money in the bank. So, therefore, you know, when you're a cheat day, you go to Smoosh Cookies and, and uh, get, your, get your ice cream sandwich. All right, Isaac, let's talk about the Los Angeles Rams. What an unbelievable game. Rams and Bucks, Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford pulling it out there at the end. Matthew Stafford hitting Cooper Cup for that 70-yard touchdown. It's now the longest Rams postseason touchdown since your touchdown in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. What makes Cooper Cup so special? Why is he so hard to cover? Uh, first of all, I think the game was uh, just amazing uh, this past Sunday. I think we tried four or five times just to give it away. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Tom Brady uh, at his greatness and 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 similar and similar moments to what we saw Sunday. Just come back and and really just break your heart. Um, you know, I was fortunate to be there with some of my teammates, and uh, we just enjoyed watching the game. But as far as Cooper Cup is concerned, I think he has uh, the ability. Uh, of, of, of what a lot of other great Ram wide receivers have, and that's that competitive nature. Uh, he has that. He carries that. Um, he's a guy that um, he's faster than what you give him credit for. He's actually taller and bigger than what you give him. A lot of people give him credit for. And uh, he's always getting open. So um, even, even with double teams, I, I don't think defenses are able to stop or slow down his production. Um, he, he's a special talent. He's really cementing himself as – you know, one of the Ram greats for what he's doing in this postseason. So, you know, I think he and Matthew Stafford, they have a great connection that's going right now. And hopefully 
um, we see a lot more of that come Sunday. Isaac, we have a lot of regrets about that franchise leaving St. Louis, not the least of which is that you guys didn't get your Hall of Fame rings before us uh, on hand. But another regret we have is that we missed out on all except for the rookie year of Aaron Donald. As you went through tape, as you were preparing for defenses, have you ever seen a guy like that? Well, I'll tell you what, um, Randy, there are few guys that grabbed my attention uh, when I was preparing for a game uh, that didn't play in the defensive backfield, guys like Julius Peppers. I mean, your eyes go right to him, first of all, from the stature, just how big he was and the way he played the game, and you had to prepare for this guy. Uh, Reggie White was another guy. Um, I think, you know, if I was preparing for a game versus the Rams' defense, you know, my eyes would almost automatically have to go to number 99. Uh, He's just a dominant force. Um, I think he is the catalyst of everything that that happens good for the Rams' defense because he puts the pressure on the quarterback. He'll have hurries. He'll sack the quarterback. You have to uh, you have to double team this guy everywhere he goes. So that benefits the bon, the Von Millers, uh, the Leonard Floyd's. That gives these guys opportunities to go one on one against their guys. And, and 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 let's be honest, he 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 commands a lot of attention. And the accolades that the other guys from the defensive standpoint are getting. I say it's all because of what Aaron Donald does up front. Isaac, this was the Super Bowl or bust year for the Rams. They went all in acquiring stars, making trades. When you look at the other three teams that are left on the board, do you think that the Rams could beat any of them? Well, I'll be honest. I think uh, we are built, even last week, we are a team that's built to beat uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, we're, we're built for that style. The style that we're not built for is what we'll face again this weekend. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, um, the Tennessee Titans, those, those are guys who play a physical brand of football, and they won't let up from that physical brand of football. And I mean running the football downhill uh, until they impose their wills upon you. So it's going to take a grand effort, man, and um, uh, uh, to, to really just mentally uh, shake um, this uh, thing that the 49ers currently have over us right now. I mean, we've been there before. It was, a, what, 17 straight times for me, for myself personally, before we were ever, ever to ever really exercise, you know, being the champs of that division. So the Rams have another opportunity to do that. So they'll have to come out and make sure they play a brand of football and play that way for four quarters. In addition to dealing with the 49ers on the field, they're going to have to deal with 49ers fans in the stadium. We saw the 49ers take over SoFi to end the regular season. Have you ever played in a situation, Isaac, at any phase of your career where the opposing fans took over a home stadium? And if so, how difficult was that to overcome as a player? Absolutely. When we would travel from St. Louis to, to uh, uh, San Francisco and, uh, you know, towards the end of the game, the Candlestick Park, I mean, you see all Ram fans in the bowl. So, we had ran the 49er fans away. So that's, that's normally what happens when a team is on the road, uh, particularly when both teams are in the same state. You have North versus South. You're going to see that. So hopefully, you know, we keep, you know, we play the way we should play. We'll keep the Ram fans' uh, volume at, at very high, and uh, these 49er fans will leave early like, they, well, like we plan on leaving early. Hey, Isaac, as you described what San Francisco is to the Rams right now, it brought to mind that line that Coach Vermeil always said to you guys, you can't ease into a street fight. The Rams, no. if they're, they're going to win the game, they have to be ready from play one to, to be in a street fight, right? Absolutely. And, that, and what that means is, 
um, you have to play a brand of downhill football defensively, and and you have to have an offensive mindset defensively as well, trying to strip the balls, create turnovers, turn, turnovers, things of that nature. And from an offensive standpoint, do what you do best. We when when we play really well, we run the football, we get Sony Michelle going, we get Cam Akers going, and that sets up a lot of our play action passes down the field. That sets up the boots that we like to run. And, uh, you know, we get success. We score points that way. So um, we have to keep doing that for four quarters. It it has to be a 60-minute game mentality for us. Hey, Isaac, I wanted to ask you one other thing, and uh, I want to preface this by saying that I was in the press box. You guys were 5-1 and one in 1995. The 49ers are in town, and our mutual friend, your introductor for the Hall of Fame, Tony Wiley, comes up behind me, puts his hand on my shoulders and says, you know it's a big game when Coach Madden is in town. And Coach Madden was basically the voice of the, the 99 playoff run. Now that we've lost Coach Madden, how important was it for you to have him as part of the calls for those playoff games here in St. Louis? Uh, I, you know, I was truly honored. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that goes on behind the scenes, uh, particularly in the publication and uh, publication meetings uh, before the games. Just being able to sit down with him and Pat Summerall and really discuss uh, some things. And you know, he was always uh, brutally honest. You know, I, I love coaches like that. And uh, you know, we sometimes get off topic and talk about his own experiences as as being a head coach. And he'd get on the immaculate reception, and, man, you just see the the passion and the fire in his eyes, how he talked about how that pass hit the ground. And uh, it make you want to believe him. So, I mean, in this day and age uh, where we have cameras just about everywhere, I think that would have benefited Coach Madden when he was coaching versus those Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day. Last thing for me, Isaac, I want to talk about Matthew Stafford. You know Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, and we always knew Matthew Stafford was a talented guy, but he was in Detroit. He was around a product that wasn't necessarily showcasing all that he could do, but there were a lot of questions heading into the season if when the moment would arise in the postseason, would Matthew Stafford be able to match it? And I think we're seeing that he is, in fact, capable of doing that, no? Uh, Without a doubt. I um, I think it became evident. It, it, it really became evident. It, we, he showed uh, glimpses, but it really became evident this past Sunday uh, when, the t- when the score got tied, uh, 42 seconds left on the clock. And, you know, you have to be confident in your quarterback play as far as Coach McVay and office coordinator is concerned that you can, you can press forward. You can be aggressive with 42 seconds left on the clock on the road in a playoff game to push forward and do what Matthew was able to do. So when you're confident in that quarterback that you have, your play calling is going to be confident. So that's exactly what we saw. We saw uh, McVay, uh, we saw uh, Stratford and that offense put the pedal to the metal and go forward. Because like I said earlier, you know, we've seen that movie before with Tom Brady and we knew the ending. So it was up to that offense to change the ending of it. And they did just that. Are we going to be back in Canton this summer for Coach Vermeil and Torrey? Absolutely. That's the plan. So it's going to be two big parties, and, and I definitely won't miss those parties, man. Um, uh, the biggest thing I want to do is be able to have that one big photograph between myself and all the other guys uh, that end up uh, coming to celebrate. So I think it'll be special, man. They, they are two guys that are very well-deserving. Uh, Tory's body of work, we talk about it constantly. But just everything that Coach Vermeil has gone through. You talk about a, a coach 
that that took two franchises that were waning and took them ultimately took them to the Super Bowl and with us uh, he, him winning that Super Bowl. So great career by Coach Vermil and awesome career by Tory Holt. Isaac Bruce, we love having you on. Thanks so much for the time. Hall of Famer Isaac Bruce, we should introduce <laughs> you as all the time. We love you and have a great day and enjoy the football weekend. All right, man. You guys be well. Take care. That is Isaac with us on 101 ESPN. Uh, Randy, proposal for you live on the air. Mm-hmm. Should we invest in Smoosh? Yes, I've got the website up right now. (laughs) It sounds like a (laughs) no-brainer. It totally is. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, hey, if baseball misses games, are you going to miss games? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hey, we've asked you for your mic drops, and now we get to hear from you. Dan Halem, baseball's assistant commissioner, said to the players reportedly, and no reason to think that this is incorrect, that ownership had no problem with the idea of missing games and having a shortened season in 2022 if the lockout continues. And we want to know from you, and you can send us a mic drop or send us a text 65780. If they miss games, are you missing games? I mean, more than just what they miss. And we've got Tim, who sent us a mic drop to 101 ESPN. Yes, of course, I will continue to watch baseball no matter how many games they miss this season. It's really like a parent and your child. It's like they do something that is just so disappointing. You're not mad. You're just disappointed. That's how I feel with the MLB right now. It's more, Michelle, like the kid who gets mad at the parents, the, like the the five-year-old and says, I'm running away, and then just goes and walks around the block and then comes back home. See, I don't think it's a kid or parent type relationship because that means unconditional love. I look at it as a marriage, which means both sides have equity and you can walk away if and when you choose because that's what it is. For some people, it might be a parent-child relationship mm-hmm. here in St. Louis, but I think for other people, it is more of a marriage because you're giving something, money, time, energy, and you expect something in return. And if you're not getting the output from your partner that you're giving, then you can leave. But clearly, Tim has such a love for the game. Like he says, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. And you can be disappointed and you're still going to come back. It is it, that part of it is unconditional True. from his perspective, from his perspective. But how many people are like, you've pushed me, you've pushed me, you've pushed yeah. me. And now I'm going to snap. There are definitely going to be people that way. Let's hear from John next. If baseball goes on strike lockout and we miss a bunch of games, I will still go crawling back. (laughs) It can disrespect me. It can abuse me. But I will go crawling back. Besides my family, baseball is the love of my life. I grew up with it. I just can't get enough of it. I miss it when it's gone, and I will be back. God, that's awful to say, isn't it? <laughs> you know what, though? I, the baseball people and the Cardinal people, mm-hmm. they know that. And first of all, anybody that's working at the Cardinal offices, they're in the same boat as we are. Oh, we, yeah. They're, they're 
probably not probably they are more victimized by this situation than we are. Our buddy Joe Strom trying to sell tickets right now. It's tough. He and yeah, his ticket staff. It, it, it's tough. Everybody on the marketing side. Everybody they they turned out their theme days and they don't know if they're going to have theme days. I hope they do. But at the end of the day. There is a segment of that ownership group, Dan Hallam saying we'll miss games, that knows that there are people that are just so addicted to baseball that they will come back. And a lot of us will say we aren't coming back, but will anyway. Well, St. Louis is an interesting case today because baseball is literally a part of us. I mean, if you look at a mantle in any home in St. Louis, there's probably, hey, this is my kid with grandma. Here's my kid getting beaked by Fred Bird. You know, it's just part of what we do. But I wonder if that carries throughout every other baseball market in America. Is it the same in Colorado? Is it going to be the same in Seattle? Is it the same in L.A.? When there are a lot of other options Mm -hmm. on the table for people to do as far as entertainment or all those places I mentioned, you could go outside, you could be hiking, you could go to the beach. Like In St. Louis, baseball is a huge yeah. part of our identity. But I think it's other markets that baseball needs to be concerned about. And I think the ones that they need to be concerned about are the ones where they don't try. Dodger fans are going to show up. Yeah. They, they won't even realize that they aren't playing. They'll just, yeah, we'll see oh, them in the fifth inning, no doubt. Yeah. So, But if you're Pittsburgh... If you are Baltimore right now, the Marlins and Rays already don't draw. So what would not having that habit in place, how would that affect those franchises? Timothy is next. I'll tell you guys what, uh, if, if St. Louis didn't have a team, I would, I would not come back to baseball. But since I grew up what, watching the Cardinals and following them, I would come back as soon as the game start because it's a St. Louis tradition. People love the Cardinals. And I can't imagine my life without baseball in it. So I would definitely be back. I don't blame that person. It is what we do. I mean, on if if you're Imagine the maddest you've ever been at baseball. Okay, imagine your peak anger levels at baseball. Let's say they miss a month of games and you are Randy Carricker rage blackout angry okay and once the games are starting someone offers you tickets to the home opener you're going I'm going you're going you're you're mad but you're going they they took away my college job in 1981 right they they missed June July August and that was my my gig for the summer and I came back like that and I I was gonna say and I, I it was wrong and I'm glad I didn't say it I'll, I'll tell you what I was going to say. I was going to say the Cardinals are lucky that they have fans like this. But the Cardinals, they, they have bred this loyalty. Yeah, of course. This isn't luck. This is by design. And this is the Anheuser-Busch ownership. This is having Whitey Herzog. This is having Tony Larusa. This is having Joe Torrey. This is having Stan Musial. This is having Mark McGuire. This is having Albert Pujols, Matt Holliday, Adam Wainwright. This, <laughs> this breeds that sort of loyalty that we're hearing. You know what I'm hearing? I am loyal to Cardinals baseball, not I am yeah. loyal to baseball. Yeah. But I think I, that, don't you think that's the way baseball is now? Yes, but I don't think other markets feel the same way, no. the way that we do to the Cardinals, because as you mentioned, it has been a mutually beneficial relationship for both of us. A lot of people take great pride in being a Cardinals fan because of the sustained sustained success that we've seen from the organization. And they're the biggest ticket in town. We love the Blues, but the, Car- the Cardinals will always be the Cardinals. There are 30 franchises 
and there are five hallmark fan bases. You've got the Cardinals, you've got the Yankees, you've got the Red Sox, you've got the Cubs, and you've got the Dodgers. I'll throw the Giants in there, too. You've got a half a dozen hallmark fan bases. But after after that, you better win, and you better win big if you're going to get consistent fans. And by the way, even the Giants, when they fell off after winning three World Series, they didn't draw. So... They're a great winning fan base. I also think St. Louis is unique in the fact that they're going to be fielding, hopefully, a contender. And it's mm. potentially the last year of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. No matter what baseball does, mm. our loyalty to those two guys True. is going to supersede anything. Right. There is no way parents out there are going to miss up an opportunity to bring their kids to the ballpark and see two Cardinal legends potentially in their final season. As mad as we're going to get at baseball, we're, we're not going to be mad at those two guys. Good point. Let's get one more quickly from Dylan on 101 ESPN. I'm definitely frustrated with the owners and the players right now, but I don't think I could ever stop watching the Cardinals and baseball because I love it too much. But it's definitely going to affect my ticket sales. My wife and I like to travel to opposing cities to watch the Cardinals play there, but I don't think I can plan a trip around this schedule that they have now because I don't know if it's going to happen or if it's going to be changed. So not only is it affecting the teams and the players, but it's also affecting the cities and their local economies because I'm not going to invest money into a trip with airfare and hotels if I don't even know if it's going to happen. Dylan, we appreciate you calling in, and we appreciate the honesty. So Tim, John, Timothy, Dylan, Michelle, four for four of the mic drops that we were able to get in and say, yeah, I'm going to keep buying tickets. I'm going to keep going to Cardinal Baseball games. I don't blame them. There's a no. ton of texts in the text line, though, that yeah. are saying if, if we out. miss games, I'm out now. We'll see if that holds true once it happens. It's easy to say that now in the heat of the moment when you're angry and there's a lockout. But I wonder if it comes down to it and you get tickets to a game, are you going to go? Because I think that I think you you likely go. will. Because anger go. dissipates over time. I mean, look at the way we feel about the Rams. Yes, we still are angry, but over time that anger has subsided a lot. Yeah, now we just hate one guy. Two guys. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, over time, the anger dissipates. Your love for Cardinal baseball, your love for Adam Wainwright, your love for Yadier Molina, the, a team that went on a historic win streak last year, those are the feelings that are going to supersede everything else. I have a Cardinal room in my house that's not going anywhere, right? <laughs> You've invested. I'm yeah, part of the interior design. Yeah, we're, we're all invested. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Thank you very much for the mic drops. Coming up next, the Billikens and George Washington tonight at Chaffetz Arena. We'll preview that one with our friend, the coach of the Billikens, Travis Ford, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tonight at Chaffetz Arena, the Billikens will host George Washington. Joining us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is Travis Ford, and he'll have his team ready for 7 o'clock. Uh, Travis, it's always great to talk to you here on Carriker and Smallman. How are you doing this morning? Doing good, guys. Good morning. Appreciate you having me on. Thank so, you. I, I got to tell you that Chris May sent over a bunch of Billiken gear, <laughs> and uh, Michelle, we, we both wore it the other morning, and she walks in and she says, free as me, but we're, we're, we're Billiken boosters. That's we love right. wearing this stuff. <laughs> I love it. That's great. We'll definitely be wearing Hopefully you're wearing it on game day. Always try to wear it on game day. Big day. Yeah, we, we'll be there tonight, and... Uh, I'm of the belief, Travis, that when you're playing a conference game, doesn't matter if it's home or away, the toughest games to win in all the sports are conference basketball games. It really is. And I was just having this conversation uh, with our team yesterday that, 
you know, in conference play, you're all, you're playing for something. You're playing for a championship. You're playing for seeding. Uh, you're playing for a lot. And, you know, it's just different. It's just different than non-conference. And also, when you start seeing, you know, you're heading towards the end of the season, everything gets heightened, everything, especially when you're like in our situation where we're still in the mix of things. Um, and you better be ready to play. The moment you're not ready, it doesn't matter what the other team's record is. It doesn't. It, it, that's the last thing you can look at, because everybody's got Division One players. Everybody's trying to win. Everybody's going to play hard. But if you don't show up, you're going to get beat. And uh, we saw that at UMass last week. Well, with that being said, Coach George Washington on deck. They have two impressive A10 victories. What have you seen in that team? Yeah, they're interesting. They got off to a slow start. Um, one thing about their team, I think the slow start, they're the, they have the second most transfers of any team in the country. Hmm. Number two, pretty much their whole team is a new team, and they're all transfers. So they got off to a slow start, and now they're playing their best basketball of the year. They've won two of their last three games, one of them on the road at Rhode Island, which Rhode Island uh, is one of the better teams in our league and a very difficult place to play. So that was GW's last game, a win on the road at Rhode Island. They beat George Mason. George Mason is a very hot team in our league. Um, what I've seen is uh, they, they just seem to be figuring each other out, the system. Uh, they got two of the most two of the elite scores in the country, uh, transfers uh, from uh, you know high-level Division I teams uh, that lead them. Uh, so this is a team, and they've done that. They've got the last win without two starters who will be playing tonight. So this is a team we better be ready for. Travis Ford with us on 101 ESPN. And, Travis, I know that you'd like to build a team where you have a group of experienced guys. You'd like to have guys, seniors, juniors, sophomores, freshmen, and and that's the way to go. Michigan State's done it for years. Coach Majerus did it that way. It's much more difficult with the transfer portal how does college basketball get a handle on this to make it so that you can still build a team with your own recruits? Uh, you know, I hate to say it, uh, and I'm not saying it's impossible, but those days are probably over. Uh, I, I don't know if the NCAA can get a hold of it at this point. I think the train uh, has left at this point uh, with the transfer portal and, you know, kids not having to sit out, things like that. I think you're going to see very few teams that have – you know, young men or women in their programs, whatever sport it may be, that have been there for two or three years. You know, that's the goal. We're doing that. You've already seen we've signed some, you know, high school kids in the next coming class already. Uh, I believe the transfer portal for us, as far as going to get players in the portal, I think there's always a time and place for that, for sure. But you're going to also see, uh, you know, teams having to ho- totally rebuild a whole team through the portal. That's going to happen to probably every team at some point. Um, so the days of really building, like you said, of the Michigan States and things like that, uh, those days, uh, unfortunately, are probably mostly over. Coach, I wanted to ask you about Yuri Collins. I was reading a, an article about him last night in the Post-Dispatch, and you were quoted in there saying, I fell in love from the first time I saw him. What was it about him that made you fall in love? Well, his his feel for the game, uh, how hard he played, how he made his teammates better, uh, the toughness and speed that he played with, you could see it right away. Uh, and that was like when he was a uh, – uh, late in his sophomore year, I think it was, you could just see 
that his his skill level was a, was advanced. And I call him old school because very few players nowadays, um, they don't make their teammates better. It's all about scoring nowadays, uh, things like that. Uh, Yuri cares about winning. He cares about making his teammates better. He understands his strengths and he understands his weaknesses and he plays to his strengths. Um, there's just a lot, a lot to love about Yuri Collins. He sounds like a coach's dream. <laughs> he really is. Uh, you know, he, uh, he, he brings every day in practice. You know what you're going to get. And, you know, and I was talking to the media a little bit about this yesterday, which is unusual t- uh, for today uh, for kids. He's very mature. He's extremely mature. He was very mature when he came in. What we see nowadays, kids are very immature when they come in. I think it has a lot to do with social media, different things. That's a whole other day for a whole, you know, a whole other subject. But kids are very immature, and it's taken them a long time to develop the maturity. And why do you need to be mature? Well, there's a lot of reasons to understand discipline and commitment and learning. And, uh, you know, biggest thing that gets in the way a lot of times for us to correct kids is is immaturity. You can correct them once, but then you got to just keep correcting them twice, three, four, it gets to 10, 11. And a lot of times it's just immaturity. You could tell Yuri Collins something one time, and you can guarantee it he's going to do it the rest of the time. Um, and he's just an extremely mature individual. Well, Coach, he's on the, the precipice of that assist record at SLU. What did he work on in his game? How did he become one of the top two distributors in D1 basketball? Well, that's something that's, you know, I, I, a lot just God-given. Uh, he understands the game. He has a feel for the game. He understands where his teammates are. And he's an incredible ball handler, obviously. He can get to where he wants to be on the court to make plays. Um, you know, we put, obviously, the ball's in his hands 90% of the time for our team, 95% of the time for our team. And we try to help him. We try to put him in position to be able to create for his teammates, you know, where he knows where his teammates are. Uh, but when you pass the ball the way he does and handle the ball the way he does, it's a lot just God-given ability and just a lot of, lot of long hours and hard work starting at a very young age. Hey, Travis, another guy who's really come on is a great shooter, Gibson Jimerson. And the other day before your game started, I said to my wife, I wonder what would happen if they would get the ball into his hands like 16 times a game. And he's averaging about 12 shots a game. Do you have any players or do you have any desires for a certain number of shots that you'd like to get for a player? Obviously, if you do that, it's got to be a special player. But do you ever put a number on how many times you'd like to see a guy get the ball up? No, I have before, uh, and I haven't with this group, and I've done it very few times. I, I've done it uh, a few times uh, really a long time ago with a young man I coached at Oklahoma State named James Anderson who ended up averaging 24 points a game, but we couldn't get him to shoot. So we had to put a shot number on him, and he wouldn't shoot enough. Um, oh, so uh, believe it or not. Um, but, you know, no, I don't get overly concerned about how many. We don't – you know, we know he, – he knows we need him to shoot. Our team knows him knows that we need to get him the ball in his hands. We know that. Uh, We have a lot of plays that are designed to get him shots. Um, But, you know, I think it's important to have balance at times. We do, you know, again, we know he's our our number one threat, our number one option. Um, But also we don't, you know, if there's been a lot of games where teams say, all right, we're not going to let him touch it. You know, we're, we're not going to let him get it. And I don't think you can totally do that, but, 
it, it can have an effect, then other guys got to be in position to step up. They have to be, you know, in position within our offense. They got under, and we have to have an offense available for them that it's not just about Gibson Jimerson or it's just about Uri Collins. Our offense is based around everybody has opportunities to score. Everybody. Uh, our offense is based on spacing, uh, based on rotations, uh, ball movement, different things like that. It's just, you, you know, every team has an identity of who their best score is, and we know Gibson is our best scorer. Hey, Travis, final thing. You mentioned that uh, your, your guys are, are having a good time, and your team is fun to watch, and you can tell that when you go to a game that they're having fun. And I think that lends to the fun atmosphere at Chaffetz, whether it's the band, whether it's the, the Billiken dancers. You have a really nice game day atmosphere, and you've got a team, and I'm giving you a, an opportunity to, to sell your team. You have a team that people should get out to see because they are fun. Yeah, they, they really are. Uh, we're, we're the leading scoring team in, in our league in the A-10. Uh, we're averaging a bunch of points, and everybody loves to see you score. So we play a very fast, aggressive style of basketball. Uh, Yuri Collins is fun to watch. T.J. Hargrove is fun to watch. You can go down the line with our players. And I think you made a good point. I, I've coached and played in a lot of great arenas. I think Chaffetz Arenas is one of the great places to watch a college basketball game. I know I'm biased. But I really do. I think our, our administration, Chris May and his staff, do a great job with the video boards, with the music, with the cheerleaders, with the pep band, with the dance team. Uh, you know, you got fireworks type fire things going off starting lineups. It's just a really fun atmosphere. Things going on during timeouts, different events. Um, it, it is a really fun atmosphere in Chaffetz Arena. We, we need everybody to come out because it makes a difference. Uh, there's not, you know, there's only so many home games left. There's not a ton of them left. Mm-hmm. So we need everybody to come out. Big game tonight. Big game tonight at 7 o'clock here at home. Travis, I will be there. I'll be up in the stands. I'll be the one wearing blue, so wave. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> hey, have a great day. Go get them tonight, and we'll talk to you soon. Hey, guys, appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Anytime. That is Travis Ford. Tickets available 977-4-SLU, 314-977-4-SLU, or just go to slewbillikins.com. Oh, so that'll be you on Blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's you. We're going to have that on. Thanks to Travis Ford for joining us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Hey, we got a text from the 314 asking if there are any COVID restrictions to go to the Billiken game. Yes, you have to have either a negative test or be vaccinated to go to Billiken game. So thank you for asking, and uh, we're happy to provide that answer for you. And uh, let's see. And say hi to Randy while you're there. He'll be the guy in blue. I'll be the guy in blue. Mm -hmm. There you go. And it's time now for... You're killing me, Smalls. Well, Randy, Baseball Hall of Fame, we talked about it a lot leading up to this, what guys would get in, what guys would not. David Ortiz, the only one getting the nod on his first ballot. He's the only member of the class to surpass the 75% threshold required to get in. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, and Sammy Sosa, all in their 10th and final year on the ballot, failed to hit that 75% mark. But Big Poppy did get the call, and here's what it sounded like. 
This is David Ortiz. Hello, David. This is uh, Jack O'Connell with the Baseball Writers Association of America. I'm calling you from Cooperstown, New York, to let you know that the Baseball Writers have elected you to the National Baseball Hall. Yes! cool must that moment be not only for david ortiz but his friends and family even when you you know that it's likely the outcome mm-hmm. to get that call has to be unreal and pedro martinez right there in the background yep. as part of the party yeah it must be unbelievable and it's it's different the knock on the door that david baker provided when he was president of the pro football hall of fame was great but like you say, to have so many people there and be obviously at a facility where there's a ton of people, it was it was very cool. As you said, Pedro standing behind him. If you haven't seen the video of Big Poppy getting the call, I urge you to go to social media and mm. check it out. Wearing one of the most colorful shirts I've ever seen. If that shirt doesn't scream, I'm happy, I'm a Hall of Famer, I don't yeah. know what does. He's a really colorful guy. And by the way, very happy that in the Dominican he had all those people behind him because you know what happens when he has his back turned a lot in the Dominican. Randy. <laughs> What? He's Hall of Famer. He's got nothing to complain about now. I don't know if he had much to complain about then either. It's true, except for getting shot. <laughs> yeah. You're killing me, Small. There we go. Aaron Rodgers, controversial guy this season. Mm-hmm. Very polarizing guy this season. And he was talking about the end of the season, the Packers losing to the 49ers at Lambeau. And here's what he said. He said, quote, and this was on Pat McAfee, who else? Aaron Rodgers chatting with Pat McAfee all the time. There were a ton of people tuning in, rooting against us for one reason and one reason only. It's because of my vaccination status and them wanting to see us lose so they could pile on. Take it or leave it, Randy. Aaron Rodgers is right. I'm going to leave that. If he was unvaccinated but hadn't lied about it, I don't think that it would be as much of an issue. But the fact that he said, yes, I'm immunized and gave everybody the idea intentionally, I believe, that he was vaccinated, I think it'd be different. But uh, there's a lot of unvaccinated players in the NFL. I don't think people were necessarily rooting against Carson Wentz or Kirk Cousins. They weren't outspoken about it. They just said, this is my choice. I'm making this choice. And both of them wound up with COVID, but they didn't lie about it. The fact that Aaron Rodgers lied about it, I think, is what makes people dislike him and root against him. So you think it's the manner in which he dealt with it, not his actual vaccination status. Exactly. I do think that there is a lot of truth into the fact that people were hate watching him because more than anything that I've learned over the past few years is that people are angry and people love to hate, watch, listen, follow to things, which I'll never really understand. But for some people, it brings them more joy than actually Mm -hmm. cheering for their own team is to hate, watch another. Well, and this is a guy that didn't take it upon himself, you know, for all of his, what, seven or five or 700 pages of research about COVID immunization. There was somebody who tweeted about him, a Wall Street Journal story. She didn't write the story. He blamed her for writing the story in the Wall Street Journal. All she did was retweet it, and she received death threats. He knows how powerful his platform is, and he knows how how enthusiastic, I'll put it this way, his fans are. And he caused death threats to this woman who all she did was retweet a story that the Wall Street Journal had written. He's... Coach Travis Ford talked about how so many young players that he gets are immature. For a guy that's been around since 2005 in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers is incredibly immature. 
also how scary that people would send her death threats. Yeah, because... Lock those people up. Right, but he brought up her name in a press conference. Uh, Rogers did, specifically brought up Molly Knight, brought up her name in a press conference, and people found her on Twitter and found her email and started sending her death threats. Yeah, so... and. I'm not naive enough to believe, and I hope he's not naive enough to believe, that those things aren't going to happen because he says they should. Yeah, they're related. Yep. You're killing me, Small! So Chiefs Bills, that overtime thriller, one of the best games you've ever seen, right? Yeah, it was great. One of the greatest games I've ever seen. Well, America agrees. Listen to these numbers, Randy. That Chiefs Bills overtime thriller averaged 42.7 million viewers. That's the most watched divisional playoff game in five years. During the fourth quarter, 90% of all televisions that were on in Kansas City were tuned into that game. And I bet the other 10% was because people weren't home. They were watching with their (laughs) friends or families or something else and here a couple more numbers these are also from front office sports so 49ers Packers that divisional game through drew 36.9 billion million viewers that makes it the most watched TV show on a Saturday night in 28 years wow. dating back to the 94 Winter Olympics that game was up by 10.6 million viewers over the uh, Baltimore Buffalo game a year ago that increase by itself is greater than the total viewership of the Oscars last year or the NBA Finals. Just the increase that Fox saw in the divisional game from this year to last year is bigger than the total audience of the Oscars or the NBA Finals. So when someone says to you, the the NFL runs America and you have any sort of counter argument for that, I'm just going to present you with these numbers. Here's the other interesting thing about that is of those two game two games that you talked about you had one top 10 market you had green bay you had buffalo you had kansas city the nfl is so powerful that it doesn't matter what markets are playing you get 90 percent of the people that are watching in kansas city that it doesn't make a dent but nationally it's not a, a regional sport like baseball or hockey or even the nba has become it's a national obsession. It is. And and after to, a weekend like this, yep. it just makes the hits even harder. Right. And everybody in America, not everybody. What again? Uh, how many viewers? 40-something viewers for the uh, Chiefs-Bills? Chiefs-Bills, 42.7 million viewers. It's the most watched divisional playoff yep. game in five years. So 42 million people know the faces of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And... Even those guys are, even though those guys are in small markets, they're going to, Mahomes will continue to get all kinds of endorsement offers. And I would think Josh Allen probably becomes the next Aaron Rodgers in terms of endorsements. I just Googled to see how many people watch a presidential debate because mm-hmm. I'm wondering if more people watch the NFL yeah. than a presidential debate. And this is just at the very top of the search. This is not hard research just off the top of my head here it says that in the 2020 presidential debate the final debate of that 2020 presidential election 63 million people tuned in to watch the final debate so we're getting more people on a presidential debate but i mean it's pretty comparable well <laughs> which is insane the the nfl is a monster there's it no really doubt about is. it really is it really really is it's nice to would have been nice to beat him in court but i guess getting 790 million isn't bad it's a good consolation prize yeah at least an expensive one.
You're killing me, Small. And finally, Rand, finally, Randy, excuse me, it's hard to believe, but two years ago today is when the sports world lost Kobe and Gianna Bryant to wow. that tragic helicopter crash, but it's hard to believe it's been two years. That That is the, uh, the date that we lost Kobe and Gianna. And that was one of those that takes your breath away, isn't it? Yes. That you, you just, you hear that and you say, no, that can't be right. I remember exactly where I was. I remember seeing it on social media and racing to a television, turning on the news, and I remember whatever I was going to do that day, I canceled it because I just could not believe. I think so many people were so stunned, and they're like, no, it can't be Kobe. That that can't mm-hmm. be right. And then when word came out that just it's like incomparable that his daughter could be there too but that she in fact along with other people too lost their lives it's just one of the most tragic stories you've ever heard it's very sad there might be a dozen people in the sports world that not only would draw the attention and get wall-to-wall coverage from espn but get it from fox news and msnbc and cnn as well and kobe was one of those people tiger when he had his car accident one of those people yes. that everybody wants to know what's going on and what a what a horrible sad day that was it was and it's such a a, a new chapter of his life too yeah. you know where he was talking about how much he loved being a girl dad and spending time with his family because he was so dedicated to basketball he had just obviously gotten into his production winning the oscar for dear basketball there was just so many things that Kobe was going to accomplish in this next chapter of his life. And obviously, losing Gianna at such a young age is just horrific. Tragic, yes. no doubt about it. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. And uh, we appreciate you being with us on Carriker and Smallman. We've got BKM Ferrario coming up. T-Mac not here for the balloon party today because his uh, wife is getting ready to have a baby, apparently. Well, not apparently. They, they are getting ready to have a baby, even though Tim won't tell me what the name of the baby is going to be. <laughs> kind of upset about that <laughs> thought we were friends but uh, tim's not here today michelle and i going down the stretch with what's on tap next on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn heading down the stretch and we do did appreciate your Mic drops today and a lot of texts about whether or not people would return to baseball if indeed baseball misses games and they don't have a 162 game season in 2022. And Michelle, I know there was a lot of blowback on the text line, but the people that took the time to send us mic drops, they were unanimous in saying, yeah, and one said, I'll crawl back to baseball. I always come crawling back to baseball. And I do think that at the end of the day, I came back in 1995 after they they missed the World Series in 1994. Mm-hmm. That was a bad Cardinal team. They fired Joe Torre. Mike Jorgensen, great guy, became their manager. And I enjoyed that group of guys and, and that team, even though they were bad. And then in 1996, the Cardinals hired Tony La Russa, mm-hmm. and they start winning, and they win the division. I do think it's incumbent upon franchises in baseball individually to try to win. If you're going to disenfranchise fans, and you're doing it now just by not having an offseason, I do think that one of the things that teams need to do individually, Cardinals included, is show fans that you're actually trying to win and provide them an entertaining product. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? It wouldn't be nice if there were ramifications for teams if they didn't actively try to win or if they were actively Mm -hmm. trying to tank if there were ramifications for that. Yeah, and 
the worst thing that you could do if you're in Baltimore this year and you had a horrible year last year and you've had a lockout this offseason, you haven't had any promotion of your players and you come back and you've got pretty much the same group in 2022. What's that say? That is totally telling your team, your fans with this team, with this franchise, we don't care about you. No. And I know obviously the uh, calendar is at different times, but if I'm in Baltimore, why wouldn't I save that money and go all in on Ravens tickets? Exactly. Here's a team that was really good, decimated by injuries. Lamar Jackson is one of the most electric players in the NFL. I would absolutely not go to Orioles games unless Mm -hmm. I got tickets for free. And even then you're, you're paying for parking, you're paying for concessions, a beer here or there, whatever. But my, the money allotted for my entertainment would always go to the Ravens. If I knew they didn't care, why would I want to turn out and pay money for that product? So each of the 30 teams, we agree, need to do something to kind of kiss up to their fans a little bit after this offseason. Yeah, which stinks because the people that are having to arrange all of that, it's not the owners. You know, They're they're the ones that put the teams in these positions, but it's a lot of people who are affected by this within the organizations that are going to have to figure something out. All right, and one other one I will... uh, I want you to weigh in on first, and then I I will weigh in as well. From the 636. Randy and Michelle, when the lawsuit was going on, there was talk about getting a new NFL team as part of a settlement. Leading into it, everyone said nobody wanted the NFL back. And then once it leaked that it was a possibility, it seemed like a lot of people were in favor of it. What's your take? Do you think it'll ever happen? And if so, would you be interested? (sighs) Well, to reiterate one more time, I, I... It was explained to us, Randy, when we were having a conversation with someone who was intimately involved in this lawsuit, and it really stuck with me. So I'm going to essentially regurgitate what this person told me. The lawyers worked for the city. The city was the client. The city was not interested in another NFL team. There was no city support. There was no corporate sponsorship support. So when that was floated out there, that there was a team that could potentially be a part of this settlement, the people who were actively involved in this were not aware of that. So it would never be floated in mediation because the client, that wasn't something that they desired, correct? Correct. So, no, it was not floated, and I just think that for the fans, if if that were to ever happen 20 years down the road, St. Louis would support it. I think that we are an amazing sports town, and if it is our team, we're going to support it regardless of the fact that we hate the NFL or not. But, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Goodell, Kroenke, Jones, Tashara Jones, and Sam Page are all going to have to be gone, and... Our city's going to have to turn things around. You know, we've never experienced more than 1% growth of the population in our region since 1968. Ooh. So, and meanwhile, look at Nashville. Look, well, at, look at a lot of other Midwestern cities yeah. that are having growth booms. Here's a stat for you. When the football Cardinals moved to Phoenix, Phoenix was the number 19 market, and I believe St. Louis was number 12. Here we are 32 years, no, 34 years later, and Phoenix is the number 10 market, and St. Louis is number 22. So they've risen by about 10. We've dropped by about 10, and we're getting smaller as a market rather than larger. So our population is going to have to start increasing. There there are three things here. Population is going to have to start increasing. Our corporate presence is going to have to increase and the soccer team the baseball team and the hockey team are all going to have to 
be on board, I believe, with the idea of an NFL franchise coming to town because the biggest companies in St. Louis are either invested in with the Cardinals heavily, the baseball team, or are part owners in or full owners in the soccer and hockey teams. So I don't see those franchises wanting to cannibalize themselves with limited funds that are available because we don't have as many corporate headquarters as we used to have. So I'll I'll try to make this concise because I know we have to wrap this up. So yesterday in the LA Times, what was the author's name? Dylan Hernandez. Correct. He was talking about, he, he he was essentially writing a justification piece as to why no one in LA cares about the Rams and why 49er fans are going to infiltrate SoFi saying, well, there hasn't been football there for 22 years. And they finally escaped that dump of a city that is St. Louis. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when I was at ESPN, Randy, my nickname was Midwestern Michelle because people were like, God, you always talk about St. Louis and how great it is. We're, we're sick of it midwestern michelle like get over it and the reason is is that anytime people would ask me about st louis they would preface it with like oh yeah it's just a flyover city or it kind of sucks or whatever and i know that to be incorrect i champion for st louis the same way i would i would debate if someone told me the sky was green i'd be like i know for a fact that it's blue like you're the one that's incorrect so i'm going to stand my ground by the way green many days in la okay (laughs) Sometimes, yes. <laughs> Pollution, real problem. Yeah, yeah. But I think St. Louis needs to do something where we change the national narrative of ourselves. Because when friends of mine, Randy, whatever city they live in, when they come to visit St. Louis and I take them around, they leave here being like, St. Louis, sneaky great. Who knew? Mm-hmm. I had great meals. I, I went to an awesome sporting event. Their Forest Park is beautiful. I don't know what we need to do to let people know what and who we really are. But I think those L.A. Times writers are the people that so lazily call our city a mm-hmm. dump without actually experiencing it would leave St. Louis with a much better taste in their mouth. So I don't know if we need some sort of national blitz, or like a media campaign, like, hey, check us out. Sneak St. Louis, comma, sneaky great time. Late in the baseball season when the Dodgers came to town, I was walking into the media entrance with an L.A. broadcaster who was doing a hit on the station that he's from back in L.A., and he's going, this town is unbelievably clean. I've never seen anything like it. It really doesn't look anything like our city. <laughs> so, and you, and you know what? Yes, there's crime in St. Louis. You mean to tell me that people are saying, I'm not going to go visit Chicago or Chicago's a right. dump because of the crime there? Come on, there's crime everywhere. Yes, it's something that we can improve upon, but I just think that the the national narrative if you will about st louis is so incredibly incorrect and mm-hmm. i don't know what we need to do to change it but uh, i will i will help lead that mission and that charge they're literally <laughs> going to leave with a better taste in their mouth i've never heard of la barbecue or la pizza true good and i maybe unintentionally eviscerated the guy on twitter yesterday you can follow me on twitter at uh, randy character follow michelle at m smallman but yeah dylan o hernandez he got a lot of responses well, listen, if, if he's going to throw uh, grenades calling our city a dump, then I think what he doesn't understand about St. Louis, and maybe he should have done his research. We're the murder we, capital of the world. We fight back. Yeah, we do. Big time. <laughs> uh, we've got BK and Ferrario coming up. Timmy Mack is off today, so no balloon party. Sorry, kids. BK and Ferrario, four hours next on 101 ESPN. For our producer engineer, Mayor Rocchio, great job. Have a great day, everybody. Michelle, thank you. I'll see you tomorrow, Randy. And for all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. 
The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but... Don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.